Welcome, everybody. This is Shingo, uh, the owner and operator of Hard Gallery. This is episode 10 of season one of Hard Conversations podcast. Mm -hmm. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Rick Brown, downtown Ricky Brown. He is my father, and we're going to switch the format a little bit today, and he's going to interview me for this episode. Um, my father is now living in Carlsbad, California. He has been a huge supporter of me and my creative path, as well as his podcast. He's always calling me or messaging me, giving me feedback on the episodes, and he's also starting his own <laughs> podcast the rick brown story um we can talk about that in a little bit but just want to say a huge shout out and thank you to my dad for coming on to the show and a very big welcome welcome rick brown thank you very much yeah thank you for the plug about my uh plug about my uh podcast yeah it's yeah. been really fun it's, it's been, been really a, fun it's been a really great uh um What's what you might call it? Collaboration. Yeah, yeah, for sure. W without you, you I mean you got you got me going and uh and you have helped me quite a bit in terms of keep it going. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh retracing your life. Mm -hmm. And of course, and also just as importantly talking to you about your involvement with uh, the Detroit art scene mm -hmm. and some of the projects that uh you have initiated and people that you've been collaborating and things like that so that'll hopefully that'll take up a, a big chunk of our discussion here okay but before uh you know starting with your life uh so you know you you have been affected by covid uh, mm -hmm. just as badly as as, uh, as other people but uh, how have you been doing for the past year or so well you know before covid my biggest obstacle was getting through the Detroit winter. And um, so I've been really, I was really pushing for my first winter at the gallery. Um, I feel like that's the hardest time of the year to do anything. Um, people are less motivated. People are um, not likely to go out as much because of the snow or the cold weather. So mm. it was, uh, a good challenge to find creative ways to still find ways to um, attract people to events mm -hmm. and galleries, mm -hmm. gallery shows. So um, uh, that was my biggest hurdle. And so springtime, once the weather got, I was actually doing, I feel like I was doing pretty well crushing through the winter with a lot of momentum and spring of March of 2020, I had a uh, solo exhibition with Casey Brooks and that was like a really big, I feel like a really big show, one of the biggest shows I've done and hoping that exhibit would really push and create a lot of momentum for the rest of the year. Mm. And that was the time right after that uh, COVID hit and really I ended on a pretty great note. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of a lot of momentum. So like, it was hard. I had to find creative ways that was engaging as well as very safe for the community. Mm -hmm. And that's when 
I had to make everything virtual, you know? Yeah. Um, luckily the weather was nice in the summer. So when the COVID rules or regulations were more clear, I was able to work around those. So we did a few pop-ups that was outside and we did a screening of Grace Lee Boggs. Um, Morgan was a big help with that event. Um, I don't know. And like also this podcast came out of the whole COVID pandemic Mm -hmm. um, troubleshooting period. So just trying to find ways to still engage with the community and the podcast was a really good way of doing that. Um, I was having, I would normally have these conversations privately one-on-one with artists at the gallery. So through the podcast, I'm still having these conversations, but making it accessible to the community and see how other artists are functioning in the city. So, um, good. yeah, so that's just kind of the wrap yeah. up of what's going on. Excellent. No, sounds sounds been you've been really uh, active, you know, utilizing different tools and stuff like that, which is, which is good. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Morgan. Yes. Uh, so when did you meet her? Um, officially met her. Maybe now, almost five years ago in Ann Arbor. Really. Um, we were friends, acquaintances at the time, mm-hmm. and you know we were friendly and enjoyed each other to as as much as we can as friends at the time um I didn't really imagine or picture we would end up how we are now with a child and partners mm-hmm. living <laughs> together um but yeah we met we met in Ann Arbor we were both living there at the same time she has been in and out of Ann Arbor since then she was living in Chicago she was um, going to at University of Chicago for her master's and then like I moved to Detroit during that time and so and she was she moved back lived in Ann Arbor and I met her in Detroit um, I don't know maybe two summers ago summer and a half ago mm-hmm. and we were both single and we <laughs> decided to like, oh, let's hang out and see what's up or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and that's good. Um, that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we ended up, how we are now, you know. And now you're a daddy. I am a dad. <laughs> She's a mom. That's fantastic. Her, you're a yeah. grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My real first one. So yeah. how, how has she uh, been part of your artistic endeavor? Uh, my artistic endeavor, Morgan has been extremely influential in for me in um, making my artwork have a little bit more meaning. Mm-hmm. And I've always been trying to find ways to be ethical and community conscious. And, you know, it's like any anybody can have technical skill with Mm -hmm. creativity you know but if you don't have a story or if you don't have the right content you just kind of just have a technical skill you don't really have that much personality and so um you know 
she's been actually very helpful, influential with um, my directing with events and stuff. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's like my sounding board whenever I'm like struggling with curating mm. or finding groups of artists and finding a very um, just like an overall positive event that helps and educates people mm-hmm. and this summer with the black lives matter movement um she's very familiar and educated in regarding yeah. regarding like social movements economic development and like anti-capitalism and this is like stuff that people have been sharing and preaching all summer and mm-hmm. um luckily we were the more we were talking about these like social injustice issues we were like what can we do in this regard and um she was really took a played a big role in creating the content of like what message we should share mm-hmm. in the light of like black lives matter movement um the inequitable society that we live in with like billionaires and specifically to Detroit and we were just making posters and Mm -hmm. she would come up with the content or like the writing part or like the information part and I would create diagrams or illustrations that represented that and you know we just there was just so much shit happening that we just had a lot to share about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that becoming a, a very big part of uh, what you do in the, er- in the area of art compared um, to uh, how you have been managing the gallery and the kinds of exi- exhibits that you've had before? Um, you know, I think it wasn't my main focus prior to that. It was just like, okay, we all function at 100% with our time so like Mm -hmm. since I wasn't doing a lot of curating or event organizing or production I had I still had this energy that I needed to use and Mm. the time that I wasn't spending helping other artists I was using it for myself Mm. so I was tapping into my own creativity again that was a lot of fun it was more of like a I was getting to more design versus mm-hmm. like fine art, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fun to also collaborate and mm-hmm. work with Morgan and create these posters that were not just fun to make or visually pleasing. They were also very informative and like had a purpose. Yeah, yeah. And we were working with another <laughs> studio called Takeout and they were doing free printing for anyone that was creating any kind of publication or poster mm. in relation to like the Black Lives Matter movement. So mm. we we made, I don't know, over 10 or 15 posters in the, during the summertime and it was a lot of fun. Good, good. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll uh, certainly uh, get back to those, uh, those areas later on uh, in the, in the yeah. podcast, but uh, Maybe we could just put a stop to this subject for now. Yeah. And maybe talk a little bit about 
your life. You yeah. and I have spent. How did I uh, get here? <laughs> that's how you, you and I've spent uh, the first 15 years together, and, and because of various things, uh, uh, before you sought independence when you were around 18, uh, we couldn't really spend the last few years then. But mm-hmm. anyway, so we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, so, do, what what do you remember about your birth? <laughs> well. I know I was born on March 24th, 1983 mm-hmm. in San Fernando Valley, yes. California, the Great One Eight. Yes. Um, in a hospital in a town called Panorama City, mm-hmm. which was like, I guess, north north of Van Nuys or yeah, the northern, northern northern part of San Fernando Valley. Northern part of San Fernando Valley. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was like a, a round tube-shaped hospital. That's all I remember, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I remember is uh, the guy that came in to delivery was the doctor that I've never seen before. So mm. that was some, for some reason, I have that sort of stuck in my mind. Yeah, I think I remember, like, it was a pretty... Sh- pretty quick labor mm. i think mommy told me that i she almost had me in the elevator maybe i don't know or yeah. maybe i like to think that's what she said <laughs> makes a good story anyway so yeah so by then you of course you had uh, two sisters Aichan and melanie and yeah uh, uh, the, the the number of years the difference between the years between Aichan and you is uh, eight years i think right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. we almost had the same birthday She's yeah, on she's March 28th. 20, yeah, and she's the 24th. I I, I always get those two. I'm the 24th. She's the 28th. Okay, okay. So just remember, so, since she's the older one, mm-hmm. her birthday is going to be the 28th. Later. Yep, yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, so by then, uh, we were living uh, in an apartment in uh, North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Do you have any vision of that place? I know I've seen pictures of me from that apartment. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it very well. I think it was like maroon carpet or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know a bicycle fell on me during that time. Um, other than that, I don't. I don't remember any. I don't remember much between those years mm-hmm. and vaguely remembered parts and bits of our first time in Michigan, mm-hmm. which I was like three or something. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I guess, pre-Michigan, I don't remember much of yeah, yeah. Little Shingo. I guess uh, one uh, significant event that happened as far as our family is concerned is uh, I think this is the time when mommy got exposed to our Jehovah's Witnesses and mm-hmm. that's where she got that door knocking and the rest is history, I guess. It goes from there. And you were there. So, yeah, that, so it's 1983. Then uh, mm-hmm. then uh, I got a job offer from Detroit. Yeah. And uh, we moved to uh, Detroit Arbor. in the summer of uh, 1985. Yeah. So obviously you don't remember the, uh, the drive that we took in our Dutch caravan. I don't remember the drive. I do have a photo of us, I think, at the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. That could have been part of the road trip there. Mm-hmm. I know I was in a stroller, so I was pretty small. Yeah, but yeah. I have no memory of that, unfortunately. I wish I did. I wish I could remember everything I did as a baby. 
Detroit, Detroit was a, my memory is Detroit was a really extremely humid. Yeah. It really kind of blew still is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's not California. Yeah, yeah. And we lived on a Blewett Street. Yep. Near the campus, where the, I guess the northern part of the UMK. Yeah, UMK northern, campus. North Campus. The north Campus, yeah, yeah. And that was the very first house that I bought. Yeah. You know, the big um, apple tree. And we just couldn't couldn't grow apples like you know, if we, if we tries. <laughs> I know. Kept on, kept on getting rotten or something like that. Yeah. So, I have like I have like a little bit of a memory of that mm-hmm. of that period. Um, I know we had a playground. I know. We had blue carpet in the family room. I remember getting Nintendo for the first time yeah. at that house. Uh, I remember drinking milk out of the uh, microwave for the first time. Like warm milk was something I remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, falling down the stairs, mm-hmm. um, showering by myself. I remember that. Um, and didn't want to come out. No. And then I remember... On my fourth birthday, you bought me a five old doll, and that was probably like the highlight of my <laughs> the, child, um, the first few uh, years. My first first uh, yeah. experience living in Michigan, like uh, for my fourth birthday. Do you remember the uh, Izawa-san family? Yeah, I'm actually friends with Ken Chan. Mm. Um, I don't. I I remember them visiting us the second time we lived in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Did they come visit us the first time? I think so, because uh, he, he's the guy that recruited me to GM. And oh. we used to commute in together. So definitely we were, we were together then. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah and I, I don't remember. remember them that time. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I do yeah. remember that family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, so we spent, uh, so I, I, I go to work for GM. And uh, GM faces financial troubles, and uh, luckily I got scooped up by uh, GM of Canada. So we moved to uh, uh, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we lived in a couple of places. Then do you do you remember that? Do you? Yeah, I remember moving to Pickering, mm. and then we were there for like six months. We bought our first dog, Sam. By surprise. By surprise. <laughs> I remember peeing my pants at the mall on the way to getting <laughs> Sam. Yeah, Sam was coming. Uh, yeah. I know. I just, I mean, I do remember um, spending a lot of time with mommy at home before, mm. like, because I wasn't in school then. Um, mm. So, like, Aichan and Melanie would go to school and I would hang out with her and watch, like, Japanese historical shows and i remember biting melanie i got the chicken pox during that time i remember tim hortons yeah 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 um i remember going to go see cats the theater the theater show phantom of the opera too i think yeah yeah i don't know whether you went or not i don't think i went to phantom but i know i remember going to cats and not liking it because it was scary (laughs) it was a long show too yeah but other than that, um, I don't remember a whole lot. I kind of remember the layout of the house, but I mean, yeah. I was I was a little kid. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Melanie. So Melanie uh, decided to sign up for a French immersion. Yep. 
which I thought was was quite amazing, you know. Yeah, did she do that in Pickering and in London? No, I think in London. Yeah, so I remember moving to London. Yeah, yeah. I got stung by a a bee for the first time in London. I was playing by myself in a in like a baseball diamond in our backyard. Is that right? We and had a we had a huge not not a backyard, but but the whole back was a big field. Yeah, everyone shared a huge field in the backyard. That was yeah, really cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, 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 I was like sitting by like home plate with my shorts mm-hmm. on, and like a bee flew in my shorts and like stung me inside <laughs> my leg. And I remember running home crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, like my memory starts coming together like around that time in my life. Yeah, I remember quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for mommy, uh, you know, whether that's uh, moving to Detroit or from Detroit to, to Canada, you know, there's always this kingdom hall mm-hmm. and, and the, and the network that they had. So uh, uh, she's had really no difficulty really kind of, meshing with whatever the new community that she stepped into you know so yeah that was a good good support network for her yeah so in canada so just to wrap up we so we we lived in uh pickering for i think even less than a year yeah it was like and six then, months right yeah yeah that was temporary because we were just still planning mm-hmm. then once we got into building the plant uh in ingersoll mm-hmm. we moved to london and we were there for maybe just over two years or something like that yeah then once once uh, we launched the product, uh, we go right back to Detroit, mm-hmm. and and I guess that's that's when you started school. I well in London is when I started kindergarten right. at Sir Isaac Brock Elementary School. Yes, yes, the Golden Bears. <laughs> um, I mm-hmm. so yeah, like kindergarten and half of first grade. Mm-hmm. And funny story about that period. I remember drawing a a picture of you drinking beer, and I wrote, "My dad likes to drink beer or something." Do you remember this? I used to drink a lot of beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, for me as a kid, I was like. Cause I don't know, like, I just remember you come home from work and like most people, they would just have a glass of beer or a bottle of beer and just kind of like wind down and like, just chill. And like, as an adult, I totally understand that. Yeah. But like, I think the way I drew it made me, made you look like an alcoholic or something. Cause <laughs> it was just like really horrible, like profile drawing with like beer dripping off of your lip or something chugging chugging <laughs> chugging beer <laughs> and it was like my dad likes to drink a lot or something and yeah i maybe i did <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but i just remember drawing that and i was like i didn't yeah. think it was wrong and i was like trying to defend my drawing like i think i was crying because i was like i don't think this was bad i just know my dad likes to drink beer <laughs> Yeah. Like what is beer? You know, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know what alcoholism or any of like those things were. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, just likes to have a beer after work. Like that was like part of your routine, you know? I think so. That's what I was doing. And some of the, some of the close friends that you have now, Mm -hmm. this was the time when you first met them, right? 
Yeah, well, you know what? Originally, when we like in '85, when we moved to Ann Arbor, mm. um, my first friends that I remember that I still mm. have are Jordan and Hillary, who yeah, are, yeah, who are brother and sister. Their parents used to come over a lot, Dennis and Rosalind. Yeah, I yep. remember them. And another close friend was Steve and Amy, yeah. who lived in our neighborhood. Yeah, and. I'm still friends with them now. And Steve actually messaged me on Facebook the other day, congratulating me for being a father. Mm. He has a couple of kids and um, yeah, it's, it's crazy that I still have friends that I, that were my original friends from childhood. Um, mm. But yeah, those were, those are probably the only friends that I remember from being a kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like, before school i mean yeah, so yeah, yeah. so you know so, so since since i joined gm uh it's kind of crazy right I, I i don't stay in one spot for any longer than two years and it just yeah. keep on moving so so this coming back to detroit was no exception so we stay there just for a year yeah yeah or a year and a half i remember year finishing year half, half of first grade and second grade in mm-hmm. ann arbor dickin mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And then, then, uh, then, uh, then I was offered a job to uh, go to Germany, mm-hmm. actually build a plant in the eastern side of the country. And uh, yep. so, when I uh, broached the subject with the family, uh, I don't know whether you remember your own reaction, but I know that uh, Melanie and I Sam were not very happy. Yeah, and I mean, I was they sort had of their age, right, with their friends and stuff. Yeah. yeah, they were so close with their like girl group or girlfriends, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was a hard time for them to yeah, yeah. lose those friendships, you know. Yeah, I, um, I remember them crying on the airplane on the way. Yeah, <laughs> I think looking back, like if I was them, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. still pretty young. I didn't, I just yeah. knew I was going to go go to Europe and play some soccer and that be around like castles <laughs> and eating bratwurst yeah, that, yeah. that sounded like a good good place for me so yeah yeah well in the, in the end they worked out for them right and, oh yeah you know, it's been a very big part of their life and their mentality and stuff yeah like that. and so like germany seems... probably sounded super scary to them you know like mm. the uh what was it the, the cold war was ending mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the wall just came down that's right it's kind of a crazy time to be in germany or, yeah, europe, yeah, or central yeah. europe you know yeah 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 so once we got there uh we uh lived in a place called uh Mamosai, mm-hmm. which is a part of this big mountain area called Taunus. yep yeah and i think if i remember there's a like right behind the and like the opal zoo yeah opal zoo yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That and, and we had a field in the front, and uh, and you guys all went to uh, Frankfurt International School. That's right, uh, in Oberursel. Yes, yes. Yeah, I like that house a lot in Frankfurt. Actually, yeah, yeah, or very in very, uh, Mammal Time. Very modern, very funky. <laughs> yeah, Is modern like a... for an old old village. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that was that was crazy. That was like a three-story three house with a, a basement Yeah. down below the street level, right? Yeah, but like we also shared the entire, like 
it was like a duplex though also right. at the same That's time right. we yeah, we had yeah. like one half of the building and another family had the other yeah, half yeah that, that guy used to work for nestle i think is that's, oh. that's i remember so cool. yeah so we uh we were there at the school fis yep any um, particular memories from there uh well it was my first time at a really big school um so FIS was a K through 12 mm. school. I think, I think the school that we were in though was um, like first grade through 12th grade. Mm. And then there was like a preschool area that was kindergarten. Mm. Mm. Uh, I remember stopping there on our school bus. Um, mm. So yeah, it would be Aichan and Melanie, yeah. my two sisters and my neighbor cheered who was yes. this Dutch kid. Uh-huh. Um, we would all walk to the bus together. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like one of the first kids I ever saw smoke a cigarette before <laughs> in my life. And he would smoke a cigarette on the way to school or on the way to the bus every morning. And that mm-hmm. was just like blowing my mind. Not only did I think cigarettes was bad, but like a teenager yeah smoking a cigarette was like the craziest thing i've ever seen but i was like oh we're in europe this is like pretty normal (laughs) um so yeah it was like it was that was us for like almost two years uh walking to the to the bus until yeah yeah Yeah, that little school um, bus that comes through comes through that little yeah just one stop that whole village um (laughs) but i guess the biggest takeaway from going to an international school that early was really experiencing and learning the different like being exposed to different cultures at Mm. a very young age and the first thing i remember was uh i was in in third grade Uh, mr hipschman was my teacher Mm. um we had a kid in class who was also from the netherlands his name was michelle and I've only known a girl named Michelle, <laughs> but in Europe, it's like, <laughs> that's what dudes are called Michelle. You know, that's mm-hmm. just how they say it in their country, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or like if your name was, this is later on, but like a name like Daniele, which is like mm-hmm. Danielle is like a girl's name here, but that's mm-hmm. what they call boys mm-hmm. in Italy. Yeah, and like Daniela yeah. would be the girl's name. Mm-hmm. Or like just like little things like that that never really phased me or mm-hmm. I never thought it was silly, you know? I just like accepted it, you know? And so like things like that really, um, I think, made a big impact on me as a child, which was really, really cool, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, I was exposed to soccer. I was exposed to so many different international cultures. Like that was... That was probably the best part about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that was. Uh, I think that that really became a sort of a, a great foundation for all of you guys. You yeah, know what I mean, your your life kind of, without really realizing it, your life kind of changed in terms mm-hmm. of how you looked at things and how you looked at people and how you addressed racial issues and things like that. So yeah, I mean, it was it's, very know, normal. The time. Yeah, so it's a very critical being an American was the abnormal thing, you <laughs> yeah, know, and yeah, like yeah. I was American, but I was also Asian and I was like a whole another category, but I never felt 
out of place. Mm. I felt very welcomed. And like, even though there was a lot of different cultures and races in one school, never did I experience racism, mm. um, anti-black racism. It was just like, everyone was chill. You know, mm. we never, I don't yeah. even remember having a conversation about mm. it in mm. class, you know? So I think that might've also hurt me in the future. Because mm. I was just kind of maybe at times yeah. ignorant about it. Yeah, not, like, not oh, it's not a big student. deal. Yeah. yeah. So, like, <laughs> I think that also just kind of speaks for the kind of culture America yeah. is also, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah and, and I think one, also another thing that really uh, benefited, not just the kids, but all of us was... Uh, the opportunity that we had to travel to many places. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we would make like a weekend trips to France or Italy or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we would yeah. take long to, yeah, yeah. Took those yeah, for yeah. granted. It was like, oh, we're going yeah. to Paris again. Like, <laughs> that's such a crazy thing to say or think about as an adult mm. now. Like, yeah. that is, that was some great yeah. childhood living right there. Yeah. yeah. We, we covered, I mean, basically, you know, all the way from the UK and, and the Portugal, all the way over to uh, Eastern and Central Europe and, and of yeah. course, North and South. So, we, uh, we, yeah, we, we covered quite, quite a bit of ground. Yeah, we had a good, like, home stop, like, home base to yeah. explore. I mean, geographically, it was, yeah, it was, in, it was in a good place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as far as my work was concerned, I was on, on the Eastern side, you know, mm-hmm. so it's about you know, 200 kilometers away, maybe about like 130 miles or something like that. Yeah. And and I would I would head out there Monday morning, work there throughout the week and come back on Friday. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would come back on, on Wednesday and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so, I remember visiting you in Bad Hersfeld and we would go to this Italian place. Yeah. And it was, I love lasagna. I <laughs> I get it anywhere they have it. And I remember the for the first time ever, they like put sliced, like hard boiled egg in the lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. I was like, "What in the world? Who puts German, egg in German, the lasagna?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, that was yeah. cool. Oh, another thing. Speaking of food, um, I love going to that one Italian restaurant in Königstein, which was Königstein yeah. was like the big town outside of mammal time it was called chow italy and Absolutely. we had a server named chico yeah yeah he, he looked like he looked like a vampire <laughs> <laughs> but i remember them bringing out this like huge platter of like antipasto and like you just pick whatever you wanted from this dish or like this big platter mm-hmm. and that was such a highlight and yeah it was yeah. like on the corner of the building and like all the windows would be open and you just walk up yeah, to this place. Yeah. yeah. Like outside dining, right? Yeah. 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 No, no, oh. no. Glad you brought it up. I really remember that place. And, we and, went and there Chico. all the time. That place was so cool. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. need to go back there. If yeah, definitely. We end up there sometime. The, I wonder if he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still around. So he's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll see. So we know. were there. So we were there. Uh, then again, once we uh, launched uh, our vehicle in, in Eisenach, uh, instead of heading back to uh, uh, Detroit, Jim again offered me a uh, 
job in uh, Zurich, Switzerland. Yep. You know, so we were so, in Frankfurt for two years. And yeah. Then yeah. Went then to Zurich. we moved to uh, yeah yeah. And the uh, you got you guys went to uh, not not you guys but you you went to a, a couple of schools. Yeah, I went to two schools. I went to the Intercommunity School of Zurich, which yeah. was on the other side of Lake Zurich mm. from where our house was because the other school, which was on our side of the lake, yeah. was smaller but also at capacity. Mm. So I remember taking a bus to this other school across the lake, which was like crazy because it was so far <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah, yeah we would I'd, I'd go there and then by the time so i was there for fifth and sixth sixth grade mm. and then melanie was going to aisd the american international school right. of zurich right yeah and um i think she graduated by the time i got into middle school like mm. seventh grade yeah so yeah. once once I attended AISZ, which was a lot closer to our house, it was like a right. 10 minute drive maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Melanie was gone by then. Remember this little Chinese restaurant that we always went to? Oh man, yeah, almost, yeah. It was really close to the Nakata's fa- Nakata family's house. Family, right, right. Almost to like their house. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember getting like these shrimp like noodle things yeah. oh man that place is so good japanese restaurants in town were so expensive you know so, i remember uh, going to hotel airport uh-huh. where they had the teppanyaki place oh yeah oh yeah remember that <laughs> that place was cool and then i remember going to another place where they had like all you can eat sushi mm-hmm I forgot where that was but i only i would only <laughs> eat like the shrimp nigiri or something because yeah. Yeah, yeah. i was just a picky eater back then but yeah. yeah so so around that time uh so Aichan went home from mm-hmm. frankfurt right so she, she so she was yeah, she graduated yeah frankfurt then she went to she went to uh university of michigan mm-hmm. at least she started there then melanie came with us and i think she finished uh, school while we were there and I think in in, in mid course she she also returned to the US right then yeah and you were you were the only one staying yep. behind behind Zurich yeah that was the first time it was uh mommy and me since like I was pre-kindergarten because mm. that time when you were living in Zurich you were traveling a lot for work yeah. a lot of business trips so like I remember it was like her and me again hanging out or whatever um because melanie had already graduated so it was just her me and sam our little dog yeah and you for you know what brief period yeah one thing i remember is remember you when i played uh baseball video game almost every night upstairs (laughs) yeah we sat in front of this little little tv monitor oh my goodness (laughs) i do remember that I'm like sorry. We, we would play a full game, you know, yeah. like nine inning. Yeah, yeah, like every every night and we'd be so competitive. Oh my goodness. Was that fun for you? I guess oh, yeah. I never even asked you. If no, no, you that, was, like... that was that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. I, I re- remember that as being a very uh, 
pleasant pleasant thing yeah yeah because yeah, like i didn't really have a lot of friends like in our neighborhood you know mm-hmm. so like i knew like mommy didn't know how to play video games and like yeah i don't know it's just i guess i was kind of bored as a kid but yeah 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 uh, yeah and we lived in a really beautiful house and place oh, yeah. called uh, langnau and albus yep it was almost like a chalet looking yeah. house that was my favorite house we've ever lived in yeah 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 i mean a... switzerland alone was probably my favorite place we've ever Same lived with me. it's absolutely it's the best work location i've ever had oh. in my life yeah, yeah yeah paradise on earth yeah i mean we could see the alps from our house yeah. and we had swiss cows in our backyard <laughs> it was awesome it was so yeah. awesome yeah i remember that area yeah, I, we, but I had a heck of time trying to keep up with the gardening, though. When we got the house that the, the previous owner built, a really just a beautiful landscape, you know, mm-hmm. with, with seasonal flowers and things like this. And yeah, mommy and I would just totally mess up, you know. <laughs> I don't really remember. I remember having like the Japanese maple tree mm. by like the stairway entrance. And yeah. then um, I know there were like some berries mm-hmm. on the fence. Yeah. Um, I know we had like a huge compost like mm. barrel. Yeah. But I just know I just I remember that we weren't allowed to mow the lawn on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> and I also hated mowing the lawn. Yeah. Which yeah. I actually enjoy doing now, but then not so much. I didn't do yeah. it either. We, we had somebody come <laughs> over to do yeah, it. Yeah, we had one of your colleagues' kid ben yeah do you remember that guy he was like this tall canadian dude yeah yeah i remember yeah 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 yeah. so so around this time uh things get a little crazy uh because before i finish my switzerland assignment you Mm -hmm. guys go back to detroit yeah i remember maybe for academic reasons or something yeah and also thinking that I had like, I don't know, maybe six months left or something like that. And, and I would I would go back to Detroit anyway. So in a, in a way, you guys kind of went ahead, you know? Uh-huh. I think that was the thinking. Yeah, I have no idea. I guess I never really knew why we left mm. Switzerland so like suddenly. Mm. But yeah, we were was... there for, uh, I mean, all together, we were there for about four years, right? Yeah. Three yeah, and a half right. school years, but probably like four years total somehow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I f- yeah we were honest, pretty stable. Yeah. I feel like that's when I started to change as a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I don't know, like thinking about it now, mm-hmm. like moving so suddenly without knowing why we were leaving, mm-hmm. I think it just impacted me in a way that yeah. I didn't realize. So I remember, mm. no, I remember, actually, I feel, because remember when, before I moved, um, I, I remember that you had to go into my locker at AISC mm. and clean out my locker or something. Mm. Do you remember doing this? Oh, yes. I, I mean, I felt like, like a total shithead, <laughs> but I don't know if I was like acting out. Or I knew I was really upset for leaving. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, you had your friends and... Yeah. 
I I behaved differently from Aichen and Melanie when they heard about moving to Germany, maybe from the States. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. I don't Similar. know. I just, it was, it was a really hard, hard move yeah, for me. Yeah. 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 And, and this is a subject that we cannot avoid uh, when we're talking about our families. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it here. So uh, like up to this point, Mm-hmm. Like we have been sort of going along with mom, you know what I mean, in terms yeah. of her involvement with JW and things like that. And uh, she was the spiritual head of the household. Yeah, yeah, we would go to meetings together and things like this. But mm-hmm. like, f- forget about what I feel. But for you, like, mm-hmm. when did you start accumulate this feeling of rebellion when it comes to that topic? You know. It started, I remember having these conversations with her when I was like five mm. because really? we, would, we would go door to door all yeah. the time. Yeah, I was yeah. like really, I was really in, I was just like tagging along to mommy's like zealous adventures, yeah. you know, <laughs> I was right at the forefront of it all. And I just never really understood it. Even as a little kid, I was like, who's God? How does he have no beginning and no end? Mm-hmm. Why can I, why, like, why is this the true religion? Why, why can I try other religions to see if they're the true religion? Mm. Why is there no real answer to why this is the only option? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think as I got older, those same questions never got answered in mm-hmm. a way that would kind of make me feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And I would ask my mom, like I'd ask mom, and then like I'd ask Aichan and Melanie, and I knew not to ask you because I didn't think you believed in it. So like <laughs> I was really trying, you know, I was really trying to like do some seeking and yeah. I was really trying to dig for these answers and like it was all like you just gotta have faith yeah. you know <laughs> like you just gotta believe it yeah. you know yeah. and QAnon like, just yeah, same, yeah. same as the QAnons and like the the one thing that really bugged me was I don't even I mean I can't I don't have like a I don't have a timeline or remember the timeline of when I started to develop and I have a timeline of when I started to develop certain thoughts, but there was mm-hmm. like a time where I was like, okay, where were the Jehovah's witnesses before 1914? You know? <laughs> so maybe, maybe a too technical for some people. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, wait, somebody, a human being founded this religion this godly mm-hmm. religion like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's it's human made it doesn't that i don't get it like it just it blows my mind it was blowing yeah. my mind and since i didn't really have a strong grasp of all this information i just could not let myself dedicate my life to something i yeah. didn't fully yeah. understand yeah. yeah i would only do it because it was something our family really believed in, mm-hmm. but I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
To me, it was, you know, it, this, this whole uh, exclusiveness really bothered me, you mm-hmm. know, about this whole, uh, uh, like, a non-association with non-believers. And yeah. so, so the whole setup was kind of crazy. And it's it, just like you said, there's just so many, uh, so much hypocrisy, you know, in uh, yeah. what they said they did, they believed. And, but anyway, so... Yeah, that's really not a, we're not here to talk about that there was a witness in, in his teachings, but it was, just in, it was just interesting in how you started to uh, feel rebellious uh, about about the religion and, uh, yeah. and then maybe toward mom and with the family, et cetera. So. I had a lot of good friends in there, in that organization, mm. but like, I, I just, on a spiritual standpoint, I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, socially, I get it. Yeah. People need to make friends. People need to like support each other. Yeah. But we can do that without religion. You know, why Absolutely. do we need that to make us become friends? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why can't we just be there for each other? Maybe we could do a <laughs> podcast on the topic later. <laughs> yeah. The um, Jehovah's Witness Protection Program. There you go. So, so good. Yeah, I, I, I got a good sense now. Then, so you guys go back and you, you, you lived in uh, Tulip Court with uh, Aitan and Melanie for a while, right? And mommy for, that of was, course, you yeah, know, yeah. that was six months. We were there for six months. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, you, then, then you guys came right back to Frankfurt. Yep. Yeah, we got a, and the, do you remember that apartment that we had? Uh, in yeah, Frankfurt? I remember the the penthouse we lived above yeah. uh, a hot el market yeah. an italian restaurant yes, and italian the restaurant i remember the majority of the building below us was a retirement home or like yeah. an old person's home yeah and that that was also probably that was probably the coolest house we lived or like mm. location wise we had a great view of frankfurt yeah, we lived in an area called Sachsenhausen, which was like where all the Irish pubs and the best dinner <laughs> kebabs were, and that yeah, was all like yeah. walking distance away. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember yeah. if we sat in the office at our at that house, um, mm-hmm. there would always be some old person crying or whining, <laughs> just like vaguely. You can just hear them either one floor below us or two floors below us just like you're just crying it was yeah. it was kind of creepy yeah 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 but, and it was you know in the and the across the street from it was uh i think it was uh i think it was bitburger, bitburger yeah bitburger brewery brewery was there with a with a big tower yeah you sometimes it would place. smell really bad walking <laughs> to the train station yeah yeah, yeah. And, and yeah we and we went to the italian restaurant quite a bit yeah that place was cool yeah yeah so and so that that was that then uh then i you know we were together and uh then we uh finished or i i finished my project then uh then so did that that project in frankfurt did it finish early because what i remember is that when we moved to frankfurt at that time Mm -hmm the plan was we would stay in Frankfurt until I finished high school. Mm. Was that the, was that the case or no? No, that, as far as the project was concerned, what happened was uh, 
the reason the reason why I ended up moving to uh, Frankfurt mm-hmm. was I became a uh, a chief engineer for a brand new vehicle development program. It's called mm-hmm. Opel Aguila. And that we were developing this, I mean, chief engineer is really a nomenclature because I'm not a technical person, but uh-huh. I was basically managing this whole business mm-hmm. and that we were doing this project with Suzuki. Mm-hmm. So that was my job in Frankfurt. Yeah. Then, then, uh, then the whole auto industry went through some changes and then companies were starting to form uh, partnerships. Okay. So, so we became a partner or a much stronger partner with a Suzuki Motor Company. Gotcha. Then when that happened, the company wanted me to manage that relationship. Mm. But, but I was not done with the vehicle development program. Gotcha. So, so when I was asked to go to Japan, mm-hmm. I took this vehicle development program with me to Japan. Okay. So my, so my project base uh, moved from uh, Rusosine uh-huh. to, uh, to Hamamatsu. So that's the reason why that's the reason why uh, I moved to uh, to Japan. So had it not been for that Suzuki relationship, yeah, yeah, I would have stayed in uh, I would have stayed in Rusosine and finished that project. Well, you finished it in Hamamatsu, right? Yeah, I finished in Hamamatsu. Got oh okay yeah. yeah. So that's why I moved to Japan, to to uh, to Japan, and you guys, mommy, and uh, you decided not to go to Japan and, and move to uh, move to uh, move, move back to Detroit. Yeah, you know. And you know, there's <laughs> maybe I'm telling you this for the first time. When I so my mom and I, your your mom and I were having some difficulties, right? So maybe that was that's that's one of the reasons why she didn't want to come with me. Mm-hmm. But at one point. Uh, she did come to Japan with you. Yeah, I remember with, uh, that. With, with the hope of sort of uh, reconciling the relationship. Mm-hmm. And the uh, remember, we took you to ASIJ? Yeah, I remember going there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember the whole trip, actually. Mm. Um, and I think about that trip quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, I... <laughs> It was a hard trip because I was still 15 or something Mm. and I was still unclear why we were moving. Mm -hmm. I wasn't very uh, familiar with or the relationship between you and mommy was not very clear to me either. Um, It was, it was a hard trip because I remember that, I had to make a decision of the fate of our of our yeah. family, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if this is something that we should share with everybody, but um, I think I I feel like that was that should not have been my responsibility to choose. Mm-hmm. what should have happened during that period yeah, yeah, yeah and it's something that i think about all the time because that would have i feel like you and mommy should have taken that responsibility and, and made that choice for me yeah 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 we couldn't and, so we kind of passed it on to you <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> but i think you could have you know yeah 
it it shouldn't have been if if i can make it then mm. you as an adult and like as my parents mm. could have made a decision even if it would have been a hard one yeah yeah because end of the day i had to make that hard decision and mm. i don't regret it but i also do feel like either decision would have been okay yeah yeah i would have been happy i would have been a different person mm. with the other result but like as a 15 year old kid mm. i think that's not something that i am i would i would be yeah. i think mature it, enough it, to decide yeah i think if you if you did decide to stay mm -hmm. i think that would have only delayed our split i agree and i you think know? that's something i sensed as a kid then yeah because yeah. i really i really was being empathetic towards mommy and i know mm -hmm. that like she wasn't being happy and i wasn't sure if she would if she would rather end it and move on and discover a whole new life yeah, yeah. um I don't know. That's a it's a lot of things to consider as oh, a little yeah. kid, you know. Absolutely, and you yeah. know, th th I mean, there's no way that she. I mean, she was not exploring any other options. You yeah. Know what I mean, it, it was like, this is my way. And uh, you know, you were to stay together, but anyway, so so that's that that's only uh, not not a main theme of our dialogue, but I just mm -hmm. wanted to kind of recall recall that period, you know, it's yeah. kind of difficult. And that 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 kind of did have an impact on how the rest of the lives went. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm open, and I want to talk more about this separately from this conversation. Yeah, you know, I yeah, think that's something yeah. we both need to kind of explore mm -hmm. and just let off our chest and you know, reflect on it because it's, it's a big, big yeah, pivotal yeah. point in yeah, yeah, yeah. our lives, you know? And, and maybe, you know, I, I was also uh, sort of very tired of all the conflicts that, uh, that, that I, I had been having with mom. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like an opportunity to just kind of break it off. You know, yeah. if you want to go that way, you go that way. I go that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, shall we, you know, but anyway, so it, it happened. It happened. Like you said, we could certainly talk about that later. I just want to say that um, I was upset, but I, now that I'm an older person, I totally respect your decision. I respect your pursuit of being a happy human. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's okay if people don't get along at some point, you know, even if you do have children, like, I think I'm not mad about it anymore because mm. I know how hard it was for you also. It wasn't all about mommy and like, I, yeah, I, I think it's also important for you to stand up for your own happiness yeah, yeah, and what you believe in, so. Yeah it's the whole world that she was involved in, you know, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. And you didn't sign up for that when you first met her. That's right. You know, so. She wasn't planning to either until somebody <laughs> knocked on the door. Right. So <laughs> yeah, so, that's how it goes. All right. You know, then you reached your limit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I, I understand that. Yeah. 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 
Okay, so at that point, so I stayed in Japan. Then, mm-hmm. uh, then you and mommy went back. Yeah. Then, then uh, we were sort of uh, remotely staying in touch. Then, then I think I remember you and I uh, talking about this desirability of taking you out of Michigan mm. or taking you away from the family or, or mommy, mm-hmm. you know, and the, uh, and, and I thought that moving you to a different place, uh, you know, could be a, could be a one way to kind of address this tension. Yeah. So, uh, so remember that transition from Michigan to uh, California? Yes. Um, it was, it was hard. Because, you know, I was, I was still at that time 19 years old, which is so still you, pretty... So you finished, you, you finished Pioneer, right? No. So <laughs> I, I went to Washtenaw Community College briefly uh-huh. for, the mid, for the technical college. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was recruited there by Hillary. Mm-hmm. I remember she came and talked to me about it. And then... At that point in my life, I was kind of a mess, and I wasn't very motivated to go to school. I was, you know, not addressing my feelings properly, and I ended up homeschooling my senior year. Mm. And then I was like, I need to get out of Michigan. I need, a, I needed a break. Mm. Um, and I think that's when we talked about me moving to California. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to mommy about it. I was like, I had this whole plan. I was like, I'm going to go to school in Japan or go to school in California. I don't know why, but cause I hated school, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you I, just, you just, that was, that was a good reason to get away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'll it try been a job. I didn't, I didn't ever imagine just like the outside world was so foreign to me because mm-hmm. I was so deep into the religion of like the bubble of Jehovah's witnesses. Like I didn't know that I could just go somewhere and get a job and like live <laughs> and just work and hang out and, or whatever. Yeah. Like I didn't know it was, I didn't know it could be so easy, but like in my mind, I was just like, oh man, California, I need to like, I'm not baptized. Mommy's not going to like me if I go to California. So I, I ended up getting baptized to be a dedicated servant of Jehovah at the age of 19, just so that I can make my mom a little bit easy, feel a little easier. Yeah. For me to like go to go to California by myself, yeah, yeah, you know, um, which I totally regret doing. I wish I would just gone anyway without getting baptized, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did it anyway. And from that point on, I was like, okay, this religion is bullshit. How do they even let me get baptized if they know my heart's not in it? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, same yeah. thing. I'm sure you felt the same thing yeah, when yeah, you got yeah. baptized and did your like, body float above the water when they I was hoping you? it would. <laughs> I was hoping it would somehow. 
and I oh, that's when I knew it wasn't gonna happen. And like, yeah, yeah. this is how bad it was. Like, so when I got baptized, I wore these orange shorts with a little bit of camouflage on it, which was like bad, you know, because it's like military pattern. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't care. I was like, I'm gonna go to this assembly hall, get baptized, and wear these orange shorts and camouflage on them and maybe that'll be my way of not getting baptized yeah but i was fully immersed under the water and i woke and i got out upset because i was hoping something would happen like in the last minute but it didn't happen (laughs) that sucked i was like shit i'm now now i'm screwed when i should feel the opposite yeah yeah so you move, then yeah. uh, then I arranged an apartment for you. Yep, I remember that. I remember driving across the country with my friend Ben Barber. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also a weird period in my life, and yeah, like yeah. our relationship, you and me had a. It was hard. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I think it's it was a very. Uh, I mean, thinking back, one one thing I got I got to say about you is uh you know you've you've gone through a lot of struggles and uh un- until you settle down uh you were doing a lot of stuff you mm-hmm. know what i mean and uh and and i i helped you out here and there but the thing is i've never i never got a call from the police or you were never into drugs or, you, you know what i mean you, yeah. you were you were you were all, always clean you know, and it, it, it really said a lot about you, you know, and, and, and for a person that has that kind of character, my worry about you was not really about, oh, man, what is he going to do now? Mm-hmm. It was more like, how is he going to eventually just like settle down and get on the track and mm-hmm. get life kind of thing? You know, I was sort of trying to prod you along so i thought that this pierce thing would would be a would be a good one to uh get you started but yeah those two years were pretty rocky <laughs> yeah it was hard it was like my first time being away from home mm. i didn't i wasn't very responsible i mean who is very responsible at that age anyway mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was hard because I had to depend on you a lot and I didn't, the relationship we had was not the best relationship we've had. It's not like how we are now. Um, I mean, we were physically separated, right? So that, yeah, that's kind of hard, but yeah. And like, I was still, it was still fresh, like the divorce from you and mommy was still very fresh for me. And like, my feelings were still like, it took me a long time to understand everything. You know, I still have to talk to Morgan about my feelings about it. And like, she's awesome and is understanding and very helpful. And I feel comfortable and open with you now to talk about these things. And, um, but at that time, all the feelings were just unevolved. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still very raw and immature. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
I didn't have a lot of uh, structure, you know? And one thing I did love about your tactics were like, you'll figure it out, you know? (laughs) It's not gonna, you'll always get yourself out of whatever, you know? And it's true, I have have been. And um, I think though, like, even though I could get myself out of things, I would probably have liked for you to still like hold my hand through certain things and Mm. walk me through and guide me and show me how to be or be more responsible Mm. first versus like just telling me at one time and um but also the physical distance didn't help you know Mm. Mm. we didn't have facetime (laughs) or texting (laughs) it's like yeah as uh, available it is now so just I think if we were to relive those moments now it would be a completely different experience Um, but I that's it you know it's it's a phase that you went through yeah rocky phase yeah 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 I I remember having to have to uh, dispose that uh, Isuzu SUV that I bought for you What happened to that thing? Because, like, I remember I got pulled over because I was still having a Michigan license yeah. on there. I don't know. We never talked about that. <laughs> what, what, what happened was, uh, well, I, I, don't, I don't know the whole story anyway. So, but anyway, that uh, car, mm-hmm. I think, was... Uh, was was confiscated by the police mm-hmm. then uh then i think the police was kind enough to inform me that if i wanted to i could come and pick up the car okay otherwise because it i don't know it owed so many licensing fees and annual fees and all that kind of stuff but but he said if if you don't want to do that then I will just go ahead and put this thing in the, in the impound and just basically just treat it as a junk. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting some sort of a police notice living in Japan. But uh-huh. what happened was that notice came through GM's mail service. Okay. So by the time it got to me, police just took its own action and the car was gone. Oh. Yeah. So... That's sorry. Why, that's, that's why I remember. Sorry for that. <laughs> no, that, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of that that and uh, and and you you kind of left the apartment in a big mess. Remember? I know. Like that's just kind of like that was been something that being a shithead like early twenties mm. teenager kid like I didn't know how to move on or like yeah. I didn't know how to like end one thing and go to the other Mm. you know and unfortunately i had to have other people clean up my shit as i was moving forward Mm -hmm. and it was a hard time you know like i i'm not proud of those moments Mm. but i yeah i don't know i just i just kept I don't know yeah. how to. I didn't know how to live my life that like that way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
I was definitely going through a lot of shit and mm -hmm. those were the the outcomes of my feelings, unfortunately. <laughs> probably the lowest point in your life. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was the lowest, the hardest, the most like, mm. plus like on top of that, like I left Michigan because, or I left California because we found out that mommy had cancer, you know, mm -hmm. like it wasn't, I was, I was like, okay, it can't get any worse, you know, but then yeah. This hits me, yeah, and I was yeah, just like, yeah. I really, I just remembered being careless and not caring about anything. Mm -hmm. I cared about myself enough where, like, I wasn't doing drugs or mm -hmm. I wasn't being suicidal. Mm -hmm. But like, you weren't, you weren't even drinking. I wasn't even drinking. Like, yeah. I wasn't taking any substances to like deal with these feelings. I was acting mm -hmm. out and being stupid, like just leaving the apartment the way it was as a like trashed, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think those are better. That's a better scenario than like overdosing or <laughs> that's what I mean, whatever. But like, <laughs> well, that's what I meant. I I'm not proud of it still, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. how I, how I was dealing with those things, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, then unfortunately, you know, you go back and, and mom uh, passes away. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, then from that point, uh, you start to kind of evolve out of this dump. Mm -hmm. you know, mentally well, what happened just before my mom passed away, I also disassociate myself from the Jehovah's Witness organization. Mm -hmm. So what happened to me at that period, the pivotal point in my like internal program was now I can feel innocent. I don't have to feel guilty about anything. You're free. I'm free. Yeah. But the other thing was like, I didn't think I would ever be free before then. Mm. I wanted to, but I didn't know what my life as a free person would look like. Mm. So I didn't know how to, I wasn't planning for my escape or my exit, you know? Mm. And I think because I was able to finally feel happy about whatever I did without feeling any guilt mm. made me a much more risky and adventurous person. Mm because now I can explore everything I ever want to explore without feeling any guilt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's, that's where started, where the shift happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not very familiar with, uh, you know, that, that phase in your life, but, mm -hmm. you know, you, you would slowly, uh, become an artist per se you know what i mean yeah so, yeah so like become so like when i was when i was a witness mm. i wanted to be an artist mm. but i didn't know what an artist looked like as a jehovah's witness mm. you know <laughs> what kind of art can i make as a jehovah's witness what kind of um what kind of art can i explore or experiment with mm. as a jehovah's witness you know, what kind of content is like 
okay. I don't want to paint Jesus murals or draw paradise or all these yeah, things. You know, yeah, it was yeah. like such a fine art option only. And I just knew I love drawing. I love creating. I love uh, comics and like all these cartoons and like all these things. So like, I didn't really know what an artist looked like as Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think once I became a non-witness, I was able to draw anything I wanted. Mm. You know, I could draw skulls. I could draw flame. I could draw death. I could draw naked <laughs> girls. I could draw all these things that were looked down upon as yeah, a witness. Yeah. Now, like, this, this is actually fun for me. Mm-hmm. you know i can create anything i wanted and not feel guilty about it or feel like i'm gonna get in trouble for drawing or even thinking about drawing these things and so did you, did you ever think about going back to school i did or... so i went to when i moved to atlanta after mommy passed away yeah i started to go to the art institute of atlanta mm-hmm. to go to get a graphic designer fine arts degree Mm. and I went there for two out of the three years and when I was there I I got an internship at ABV when I was at school and Greg Mike who was the owner um, he chose me to be an intern at his gallery Mm. and up to this day he's like a mentor to me Mm. he's still my friend we still hit each other up um he really opened my eyes to what the art world looked like i didn't really have an idea of what it looked like Mm. um but what i saw from interning and meeting all these amazing people and i ended up going to art basil which is like an art um art fair weekend it's like it's a big deal it's in Miami and we went mm-hmm. there during my internship and everybody was having so much fun. Mm. It was like, they're all creating art because they loved it. It was emotionally exciting to them, you know, and that's the thing that I was missing in my artwork. Mm. Just like having fun. Mm. Cause I remember as a kid, I loved drawing cause yeah. it was fun for yeah. me. Yeah. And I wasn't creating to have fun up until then. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really clicked for me where I was like, I need, I need to have fun in my life. I've been sad. I've been hurt. I've been all these different things. And I just want to have fun with art or have fun in general. And art was giving me the most mm-hmm. enjoyment. And so. So um, do, you, do you think that this is the time when the, like your sort of projection of life is starting to uh, take its shape? Yeah, I think I was still just figuring out like what I want to do with my life and Mm -hmm. like, who am I going to be? What's, what am I, what am I doing? Cause like this period of my life, I was learning to be a normal human. That's not a Jehovah's witness. You know, I was, making you a whole new group of friends Mm -hmm. slash support system slash family, you know, that 
was a big deal. And now what do I, what do I do now? Cause I didn't plan on what my life would look like outside of being a Jehovah's witness. So this whole time is just like figuring out what, what, what can I do since I can do anything, Yeah, you know, before when my options were so limited as to what I can even mm-hmm. pursue. Now I'm at a point in my life where I can do anything I want with the capacity that I'm able to like live with. <laughs> Cause yeah, like, yeah. I, I know what my limitations are. So like, what can I do within my limitations? Yeah, yeah. And that's when I decided I also want to open an art gallery mm. like, like ABV, mm. but I want to do it in a town or a city that I believe in. Mm. I'm familiar with a place where I want to, a community that I wanted to help thrive. Mm. Atlanta was already thriving. Mm. Atlanta was awesome. I love the energy there. I did not feel like I connected with everybody that was there. Mm. I felt like I was, I got there too late. Mm. Mm. Everyone there is like, has been there from the very beginning. Mm. And I come in years later, kind of like on the trails of that. Yeah. They were very welcoming. They love me. I appreciate them still today. I still have amazing friends there. I, knew at that point though that i wanted to come back to ann arbor Mm. where i felt the most comfortable and i wanted to at least help the art community in ann arbor Mm. i wanted to create an art district i wanted to do abv but my way Mm. in a different town or in a town that i felt more love for So that, that kind of that kind of served as a model for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw yeah. everything everything I was doing at that gallery gave me so much joy and like mm-hmm. I love meeting all these people. I love helping them, I love seeing them grow. I love just seeing how people create, you know, celebrating art. And um I wanted to see that in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Honestly, because yeah. Ann Arbor's claiming to be this super creative and artistic town or city. And um, they, it, at the time, it seemed like that's where I needed to be. And so I moved back to Ann Arbor after living in Atlanta for a couple of years. Yeah, my, my impression of, uh, I, I can't really quite put a sort of a time frame to it, but mm-hmm. my impression of you around those times were, uh, you were dabbing in many things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. were, you were printing t-shirts. Uh, you were doing bartending. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were doing some graphic art. You were yeah. telling me that uh, you may have a good, big job coming to Adidas. You know what I mean? There, <laughs> yeah. You were all over the place. That, that was the impression that I was having. Yeah, that was the part where, like, I was experimenting and opening all these doors that... Mm. I never even thought I could ever go through, Mm. you know? And so this period of my life, I'm like, okay, I can do anything I want. I'm, I'm this, I'm this new person now, you know, like I'm not a witness where I have to like feel guilty about anything. Like 
mm. I can really explore what this world can offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I was trying all these things like, oh, do I want to do, I want to make t shirts. I want to make, I want to be an artist. I want to paint murals. I want to, I don't know. Actually, I don't really know what I want to do because everything I was <laughs> that, doing. That, that, that was exactly what I was feeling. Does he really know what he like, wants to do? I just knew I wanted to do something and I yeah, didn't, right. I didn't know what I wanted. I couldn't tell what I wanted to do unless I tried it. Yeah, yeah. And if I thought I wanted to do something, I try it. And if it didn't, if I didn't like it, I try something else, you know, in all these time, how was you earning your living? I would be working at a restaurant or mm. like coffee shop, just like making cash and making enough money where I can survive and still pursue my creative questionable yeah. my questionable creative journey <laughs> <laughs> right not, not questionable you just didn't have a focus yet you know like yeah, um, i i had to figure it out nobody helped me get to where i am you know like it was really it was a lot of trial and error a lot of experimenting mm -hmm. a lot of ask a lot of me asking people to trust me to do something mm -hmm. because i felt like I want, I didn't, I had what it takes. I may, yeah, not, yeah. I may not know what it is, but I do have what it takes to do something. And fortunately living in Ann Arbor, a small enough town, mm -hmm. I could live comfortably. I could make enough money where I felt very comfortable living and also pursuing art and that's just kind of how I got started in Ann Arbor. Um, but it, I was there for like five years trying to start a creative community there or even mm -hmm. like an art district. I tried to, I was curating a coffee shop and um, showing art or artists that I really believed in. I was always into discovering emerging sub-emerging talent mm -hmm. or ideas not necessarily the the artist itself but just like what were the artists creating mm -hmm. you know and um and then also trying to be an artist myself yeah yeah so and, when you so so you had this vision of uh Ann Arbor being the place for you mm -hmm. and so how 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 was it is is it was it really had it all together in terms of the art scene or or you you felt that you could do you could do a lot more to really make it a really a, a much much uh, artistically strong place i think the t once i got to ann arbor the ann arbor that i thought i would move in move back to was not the ann arbor that i thought it was mm it was already making a huge change. It was mm. being gentrified like crazy. The creative like hippie movement has kind of like grown old or a lot of the creative talent have, has left Ann Arbor. Mm. So there, there were a few artists that I really supported and cared about and tried to help kind of like push to create this district or like community the creative community just wasn't strong enough mm. 
there wasn't enough support for the arts. Um, it felt like I was doing so much to just try to inspire artists mm. to like show up and make create and like I I felt like I was the only person that thought this that Ann Arbor needed like an arts art district mm. you know I was doing really cool things um, but like nobody really cared about what the next thing would be like something would happen and then no one really was like oh what's going on next like what's the mm. next thing that's happening yeah, like no yeah, one I don't think yeah. anybody really cared as much yeah you know um, people doing different things just just not art things you know like the food and um wine industry or like restaurant industry is really big in ann arbor and i feel like people were more into that Mm. like cooking and bartending but like fine cocktails and stuff like (laughs) stuff that i'm really not that interested in Mm. i find a lot of like just because i don't drink alcohol you know like mm-hmm. it's not something i'm passionate or driven by so i just really felt like i was doing a lot of this work for for no reason really yeah, yeah, yeah. and i didn't so want to like so, mm, i don't want to waste my time any more time or energy into something yeah. that's not going to be what i want it yeah, something you cannot be passionate about yeah so what's so what i'm curious about is so what is the timeline mm-hmm. between the time you come back to ann arbor and the time you get this hard gallery opportunity uh, okay so i was how in ann arbor that, how did that happen i was in ann arbor for five years until i moved to detroit mm. I moved to Detroit because I would come and visit here pretty often. I was so sold on not moving to Detroit. I was like, I'm going to make Ann Arbor happen. People are Mm -hmm. moving to Detroit. I'm not going to move to Detroit because I believe that Ann Arbor could actually succeed in this um, adventure, Mm. you know, but five years later, I was like, okay, I'm done. Mm. I, I've been going to Detroit just to check it out. And the creative community here is so supportive. Mm. People care about what you're doing. I wasn't Mm. even doing anything at the time, but I was meeting people and they were like, oh, what do you do? And I was telling them I'm an artist and I like, this is, these are the things that I'm interested in. Like I would make more friends every time I'd come back to visit Detroit. Mm. And so when I moved, I wanted to move here, but I didn't necessarily know or have a plan on what I wanted to do. I just knew that if I tried something here, I would have a lot of support. Mm -hmm. And so Hard Gallery came about uh, maybe less than a year after I moved here. Really? It's crazy. Um, Yeah, that's how, that's the crazy thing is like, I moved here and I was just like, I was on a mission. Mm. I was gonna put my, plug myself in anywhere I thought I would be received well, supported, Mm -hmm. um, inspired by, and I was 
the one way of trying to like plug into the community was I would just reach out to different artists and I was like, Hey, do you want to collaborate? Do you want to work on something? And everybody would say yes. Mm. And that was just like blowing my mind. And so Mm-mm. as I'm meeting these artists, I'm starting to learn that they're new artists themselves, even though they're super talented, very amazing artists. And I'm like, do you want, do you, have you ever done an art show before? And everyone that I've asked that said no. Mm. And that was just like blowing my mind. I'm like, mm. you are way more talented than I am. How do you not have an art show? Mm. A solo show at least. Mm. And some of these people have been going to school to like CCS or Wayne State. Like they all have like art degrees or not all of them, but like everyone I've spoken to have, has never done a solo show. And I was like, I have experience putting shows on at the gallery mm. in Atlanta. And I was like, let's try to figure out a way to do an art show for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's just like so many people that I was meeting like that. And I felt this responsibility where I can help a bunch of artists get to the next level. Mm-hmm. I can be the person for these artists that I didn't have when I was starting to be an artist. You know, I was trying, I'm trying to be like the guiding mentor mm. for these people. Cause I didn't have that. I just had to figure it out how to get here. So the first event that I wanted to throw in the city of Detroit was inspired. Are, are, you, by- are you already, are you already doing this in the hard gallery? Yeah. Okay. Now before you get to that. So no, this, this is before hard gallery okay, started. Okay. okay. So yeah. After about, what is it? How, how long has it been? Maybe within three months of living in Detroit, I met a friend named Paulina who owns a gallery called Playground Detroit. Mm. And I have, I've been cooking up this idea that's been inspired by my favorite event that we were throwing at ABV called Drink and Doodle. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was this like community event where 12 local artists would come together and draw or paint live within this time period. Mm. And then the artwork would be sold after the artists were done and it would be open to the public at that point. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea. It brings in so many different artists, different people in the community. And I was like, I would, I would change a few things to that event. And, um, but I still wanted to like do something similar Mm. and I didn't, I don't love drinking. So I kind of wanted to take the drinking or the party element out of it Mm. and push the art side of the event Mm. to the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not so, the drink that's pulling people in, but the exactly. art. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the drinking part is fun too, you know, but like, yeah, yeah. that just like for me as a, that's only a part. I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do the art first and then we can drink after mm-hmm. and party, you know, at least that's what I wanted the message to be in the title. Mm-hmm. And so art buddies was like, I wanted to create this environment where 
as adults, it was rare for adults, artists to come together as a group to like draw and hang out, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're at like a rec center or something, you take a class, but like, this is something where professional artists were coming together and I wanted to invite all different types of artists in the city to bring people together in the community and also like meet each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the, the cool thing about Art Buddies is that each artist brings in a different following. Mm-hmm. And so if I have 10 artists or 15 artists or 20 artists, there's gonna be 20 different types, at least 20 different types of people coming into one space diversifying mm. the entire event yeah versus a solo show only one type of only one community is going to show up mm-hmm. you know so i wanted to like do this event and i didn't know where to do it because mm. i didn't have a space at the time and so i talked to my friend paulina and i was like hey i have this idea it's called art buddies So I pitched it to her and she loved the idea. She helped me curate and find artists that I wasn't able to reach. Mm. And we had our first art buddies there in like July or something. At her place. At her her gallery. Great. So she helped host the event and I was able to do two events there Uh at Playground. And then as... I was living in Detroit and meeting different people. There was an opportunity in an area called Core City mm-hmm. in Detroit, um, which is on like Grand River, almost to Warren. There's this place called Core City and there are these like experimental units mm-hmm. where a space was available for like two months for me. And I was like, cool, I'm gonna try to do a little pop-up gallery in here. And I'm going to call it hard gallery. Mm. And. Um, how, so how, how did the name come? <laughs> so I don't know if I told people this, but one of my really good friends, uh, Jackie, he's probably my first like best friend that I made here in Detroit. Mm. And he is family to me. I call him auntie. He's he's amazing. He's been so supportive. He's been with me, been supportive of the of Hard Gallery since the very beginning. He was actually so we would auction the artwork. Yeah. After and he would be my auctioneer. No. Oh. He would help me sell the artwork. And um this time I was like, dude, I need to come up with a name. I want like a really badass name. <laughs> And then like, we're just kind of joking around saying like boner gallery or just like <laughs> these like sexual innuendo names, you know? And I was like, I want to say, I want to call it. I also wanted to be kind of um, literal. Like, I don't want to call it cool gallery. And he was like, what about hard gallery? Mm. And I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. It's hard, like hard as in cool dope or badass or whatever like that's that shit's hard you know or it could also be hard to penetrate hard like relentless like your ideas will not break so like there's so many different whatever it 
represents for you, that's what heart is, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of the mantra of the whole space. You know, whenever, just thought of something, when you, whenever you say heart gallery in uh-huh. writing, you should have a tagline right under it. Kind of say in a very concise way what you just said about <laughs> what heart means. Yeah, I mean it's on it's on the Instagram. So like on the okay. Instagram profile here, I'll yeah, just yeah. read it because yeah. I should I should remember this, but I just write the definition of hard. Mm. And so the definition of hard is solid, firm, and resistant to pressure, not easily broken, bent, or pierced. Mm-hmm. And that can mean anything. Yeah. You know, that could be your vision, that could be your creative process. Mm-hmm. That could be your mission in life, your ideals, yeah, whatever that influences you or inspires you. Mm-hmm. Like you should feel like those emotions or truths that are inside you mm. should be hard. Otherwise, you'll go in a million different directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that just really spoke to me when he said hard gallery because I was like hard and I was like oh like erection and like all these like it just you know it's funny and if you go on hardgallery.com it actually takes you to a gay porn site but if you go to hardgallery.art it takes you to my website okay (laughs) so it kind of plays on like my humor my personality yeah but also it's very true to my um, belief, yeah. which is hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want I want whatever I'm creating or building or showing to be a hard show. Okay. You know, and so gotcha. hard gallery just kind of came that way. Um, and so there was a period where I was at Core City and I had this opportunity to fill up a space. Mm-hmm. And when I approached Paulina, I was like, hey, I want to do this Art Buddies event here. I know that we started it in Playground, but are you cool if I take this somewhere else? Mm. And she was like, yeah, this is your thing. Like, go for it. You know, Mm. like that made me feel really amazing to be in this community. You know, she wasn't trying to take ownership of it. She wasn't trying to be like, yo, I, I got you where you are now kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It was like, she just, she was just, she's always been supportive and, yeah. and also an amazing friend during, throughout this whole process. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I did two art buddies in, at that space. No, actually, I think I only did one. Maybe I only did one. Yeah. And um, there was a period, so I had to leave that space in January because I couldn't afford it. And um, there was a period where I didn't have a place to do hard gallery. Mm. And so like, I, I guess I was struggling to figure out what to do, but I just learned to like not fight anything and just kind of like accept where I am mm. just go with the flow yeah you know anything everything is happening for a reason if I if I'm firm with my belief and like pursuit 
I'll get where I want to be at some point. I just got to work for it. And if I talk about it with people, they'll be familiar with my pursuit of my path. And, um, you know, people were just kind of looking out for me and like looking at other spaces. And um, finally, the space that you went to visit, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it was owned by Jess and Dai, who also owned the coffee shop I was working at. Astro Coffee. Astro Coffee. And they had this building where their tenant was leaving. And Dai was like, uh, so-and-so's leaving. Would you be interested in taking over this building? Mm. kind of managing the space until they figured out what they wanted to do with it. What, what was it used for it for? Um, so it, the originally hard gallery used to be a service station. Mm, yeah, sure. From, looks like it from like the thirties or something like mm, back mm. in the day. Um, it's been a political campaign office. It's been, but right before I moved in, it was used excuse me it was used as a architectural firm mm -hmm. and so the lady that was there moved to new york and that's when i moved in mm. and i was like okay here i go i i've been manifesting this it's finally happening yeah yeah i in the back of my mind i knew that it would not be permanent but I knew the space was really special and I just wanted to make sure that I did everything I could to like really utilize the space to the best way. I yeah. Could. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what is the, so is there some sort of a, like an arrangement between, between you and the, and the owner of the building? Yeah. So I was maintaining the building. I was yeah. occupying it and just keeping the space active. Mm. and um so it's not you're not leasing it or anything like this you're just managing the property for the owner exactly and like i work for him also so like yeah yeah it wasn't like i would never see him yeah you know and so we had our arrangement and yeah i that's when it really took off because this is what yeah. I've been working towards. And like, finally I'm able to do what I think I've been wanting to do. Yeah, yeah. So is it, is it relatively permanent in terms of the usage of the place? Um, well, well I'm not in there now. <laughs> oh. So since I've been in there, like mm. from the first day I moved in, it really like it took off i was curating events mm. i was not just art shows but like community events oh yeah um, I, mean, I got a whole list of things yeah cooking um, and <laughs> yeah like art buddies really took off there that became i was doing that every month yeah since i moved in there um yeah so like every every art buddies i was having it at some point it became minimum like 20 artists mm. every month and that was like i was representing 20 artists every month at least mm. 
that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's like and managing 20 employees, you know, like, yeah. And, uh, this is really amazing. Um, Morgan put this whole spreadsheet together for me and I'm just going to read off some of the, some points here. Um, so for a total of 12 art buddies, I was averaging around 15, 20 artists. And that means approximately 165 pieces of original art was created and usually sold in less than a year. And that's just one monthly yeah. event. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and I, it's really hard for me to like, take a step back and like reflect on the things that I've been able to do. Mm. But like, cause I'm always thinking about like, Oh man, I just got to keep this thing moving. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. look back, you know? So when she put this together, I was like, this is crazy. Cause like I've represented over a hundred artists. I've been doing art buddies every month and also hosting and exhibiting a solo artist every month. Mm-hmm. And in between those events, I'm able to like, post random pop-ups at the time you know mm-hmm. i started kill a sushi with my friend shinya who's also a really amazing local dj mm-hmm. and also a really amazing sushi chef um i've hosted an astrology workshop with mm-hmm. my friend jin um i've hosted a bicycle race called Alley Alley cat. cat yeah <laughs> video music premiere for Brian Iglesias, um, skateboard event. I transformed the space into a shopping boutique for, I've held DJ nights, um, did Saturday markets and coffee shop for a friend of mine who started Barbara Coffee, Mm -hmm. Um, Cut House Rodeo, which was my friend Mary Kate, who was a barber slash hairstylist. Um, and that was all, I was like, that was all like happening regularly Mm. before the pandemic. Mm. And in the meantime, also seeking out and trying to find new artists at the same Mm. time, you know, Mm. it was a really exciting time for me. Um, I'm also for the community I can imagine. And, um, (laughs) it was amazing. I was just really trying to push yeah. push this thing as much as I could until like it gained so much traction where hopefully I would have to hire someone to help me. Yeah. But during this <laughs> time I was like I was literally doing everything by myself. Yeah. yeah. With the exception of people helping me throughout the events um and helping me and supporting me with printing and Jackie Morgan has been incredibly helpful. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, the thing is, it's like, so you have this place and you're doing this and you have some sort of a business model developed and people are very eager to participate, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you got the thing also also set up and going, uh but you know, artists are artists, right? You know, sometimes they have sort of a different outlook on what life or something like this. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine you managing 160 artists <laughs> dealing with these artist types. Yeah. You know what it is though? Like I, I know what it's like to be an artist mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm. like the way they, the way artists are functioning is not new to me. 
because mm. I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm very fickle. I don't like to read emails. I don't like to <laughs> respond to emails. I like to do everything last minute. Like mm. I know how people who create function, mm. you know, because we all experience the same trials as the next person that's trying to be an artist, you know? Mm. And I, so, so I feel like that's how I'm able to communicate. Yeah. I know how to motivate people because mm. I know what helps motivate me as an artist. I know how to get people in the zone creatively, like give them some pizza and yeah. they'll start, you know what I mean? <laughs> like who doesn't love pizza yeah, and, yeah. or like free food or whatever. Like yeah, I, yeah as it i mean it's still an almost an impossible task mm. but it's something that i'm also learning on the way mm -hmm. during this journey and um i mean i was somehow able to gain trust of all these artists to you know yeah help, yeah. help them and give them a platform then will you be uh, so when when this pandemic uh eventually comes to an end Mm -hmm. Will you be looking for a new space? You know, I would like to have a new space in the future. Mm. No, I mean, I, can you go back to Hard Gallery? I'm not, so I won't be going back to Hard Gallery right. or the original. So that's the, what I meant about a new space or, or yeah, in, so, in place of. And also since, so Hard Gallery on Burner Highway was really close to where I was living also. Mm. Like it was a really short bike ride, 10 minute walk. Mm. And now that I'm on the West side, I feel like if I were to open hard gallery again, I need to be closer to my community. Mm. And so I'm looking at areas or places in closer to this area on the West side of Detroit. And, you know, if that's like my first option, if I have to look outside of here, I will. Um, I just want, for now though, like I can't even fathom looking anywhere at the moment because it's hard to predict anything at the moment. Yeah. I don't know what the climate's going to look like, you know, and I don't want to keep my hopes up even if I do find a place right now. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just... I'm focusing on the things that I can control mm. and not be discouraged because of what's happening with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I just want to, you know, keep the flow going. It doesn't have to be full throttle. Mm -hmm. I just need to be floating and moving and paddling when I can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and so since the pandemic i had to kind of like figure out how to keep it moving yeah you know like okay i can't engage with anybody physically now so like what do i do mm -hmm. nobody had an idea there was no uh blueprint on how to live or pursue this like gallery life virtually or like, there's just like, no, there was nothing, no examples, you know? Yeah. So I had to really come up with so much shit. And <laughs> I did Art Buddies virtually. 
I didn't mm-hmm. know how I was going to do it originally, but I, I had to figure it out. You know, um, I wanted to exhibit an art show. I didn't know how, <laughs> but I also wanted to be engaging with the artists. Mm-hmm. And so the show I did was called Send It, which would mm-hmm. also help support mm-hmm. the U.S. Postal Service because that was mm-hmm. their their jobs were being compromised with Trump yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I had like Morgan really helped me figure out ways to be ethical and also conscious of the political climate and as well as like the community we were serving. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, let's do something that's going to benefit more than the artists or the community. Mm-hmm. Like, let's mm-hmm. see if we can, you know, at least put a couple extra dollars in the U S postal service, mm-hmm. you know? So that was a big part of how send it happened. Um, I had to figure out ways to do events outside, team up with local businesses. Um, I painted a mural in Ann Arbor with my friend, Joe Ficcarelli. Mm-hmm um we did similar things or like as the regulations became more clear i was able to get a better understanding of what was actually possible Mm. you know um but with the pandemic it's been it's been a, a challenge but you know i started the podcast because i wanted to still engage with people and this was a good way to talk to artists and share these conversations with people, you know, so. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess one of the highlights, too, was, like, coming back to Morgan and me collaborating, um, we hosted an outdoor screening mm. of American Revolutionary, which was a documentary about Grace Lee Boggs and James yeah. Boggs. Um, yeah. He's a significant social activist in Detroit mm-hmm. and beyond. And the timing of it, we did it on her birthday. Um, she passed away a few years ago, mm. but we did this screening on her birthday. And like, that was probably the coolest um and most fulfilling event that I did in regards to like being socially distancing yeah socially responsible <laughs> and like but also for a great cause mm-hmm. you know it was like the it wasn't just about the artwork or like the visual artwork but it was like bringing people together educating mm-hmm. them and also showing like an art gallery can also do things like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, instead of like just showing artwork for yeah, yeah. An, an event. So that that's really good. So that's, uh, that's a little different from, uh, you know, just doing artwork or showcasing other people's work uh, by uh, utilizing, you know, art gallery as a, as a, as a venue, whether it's mm-hmm. a virtual or, or, or physical. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's an example of uh, how uh, maybe you have evolved into more like a 
I don't I don't know whether it's a community activist is too much of a labeling, but at least you're starting very uh, starting to 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 incorporate issues around social justice into everything that you do. Yeah. So that's that's a, that's a good trend, a good direction, I think, considering the times. And also, like, I feel I say this to a lot of people when people ask me what Heart Gallery is about, and it's like everyone that operates at art in art gallery has like they're showing artwork that they believe in, mm-hmm. or they're sharing the artists that they believe in, and um, you know I believe in, in more than just artwork and I feel like my platform has been seen Mm. and people are taking notice and so now that I have this kind of attention I want to bring attention to other things as well Mm. you know and so yeah I think I don't know if I want to identify myself as like a social activist because I feel like that's not doing justice to all the other people who have been fighting for and risking their lives to Mm -hmm. a degree, you know? Um, But I do, I do, uh, I am very aware and conscious of the types of artists I do represent. And I do know how difficult it is to be represented Mm -hmm. by an by a gallery or like other people so mm-hmm. i am trying to you know give people opportunities that maybe other people don't yeah, yeah. you know because I, of their race yeah. or their gender or sex so yeah 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 i mean you know how, how good a person is as a as an artist obviously is, is a criteria mm. a selection criteria you know for your for your exhibition but this uh, social consciousness, I think, is is a sort of an added criteria, mm-hmm. you know, for for that kind of selection process. So I, I think that'll, I mean, that that would only have a sort of a positive impact on on uh, what you're what you're trying to do. So yeah, really yeah. good to see. It's a good direction. Thank you. All right. Okay. So uh, I'm sure. I mean, you 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 mentioned a lot uh, about specific things that, that, you know, that, that you've been doing or, you know, uh, before, before the pandemic hit and during pandemic, the pandemic mm-hmm. under art buddies and various other forms that, you, that you've created. And I'm sure people can access your website to really find out very specific information about whether that's the alley cat or something about something that relates to cuisine, et cetera. So, yeah, my, my website is uh it's a work in progress. Okay. But anyway, so I'll, but, I'll, uh, um, I'll, I'll ask the audience to, uh, to kind of dig in further. Yeah. Um, I'm always, it's hard to always uh, respond to everybody that messages me. So sorry about that. But um, the website is, is I try to like work on it every day a little bit here and yeah, there and just yeah. add some more because it gets pretty overwhelming. So, yeah, you know, I need to utilize the website more. Um, I'm talking to different artists right now and trying to find like ways to still show their artwork. Like I can't, I have no interest in doing a physical art show right now, mm. but I know the artists are working and I feel like 
my website can be a platform for them to show yeah, artwork yeah. Or is it, yeah. or is it like a you know an exclusive hard gallery virtual like web website exhibit sure, or something sure yeah um, i mean it could be a record too right but both the of all the art buddies that you've done in the past and stuff. Yeah, yeah like a little archive i have all the pieces that have not been sold yet on mm -hmm. the web shop yeah um yeah i don't know just i'm just going day by day with it <laughs> if i well, if i try to do everything at once i get too overwhelmed and then absolutely and i don't yeah, do anything yeah. and that's that's the yeah, worst yeah. thing i can do yeah yeah it, it, it just the multitasking is a really tough thing to do yeah Okay, good. So anyway, uh, people can find out more on, on specific individual projects that uh, you've participated in. Yeah. So I just want to go back. So uh, I don't know. I mean, Art Buddies is something that's really uh, become sort of a prominent in, my, <laughs> in our conversation. So, mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned that the, the social justice element is now a big part. But do you, how do you think something like Art Buddies will evolve into the future as part of uh, your vision um our buddies is probably the most engaging event that i do mm. it reaches the most people um it is a monthly thing and every time i do the art buddies events it just keeps growing and yeah. like the, i was in a pretty decent size space mm. and i can just imagine it being twice as big mm. or or even bigger and what i'm what i'm working on constantly is to like develop a formula with hard gallery mm -hmm. so like i'm trying to figure out a formula that where i can go to any city or mm. any town internationally or wherever and kind of plant the seed yeah like the hard gallery seed and if i'm on the same mission then i'm just seeking a different type of community but yeah, yeah. seeking the same result yeah you know yeah. helping underrepresented artists helping sub sub emerging artists become more visible or more like notice um because i love discovering new artists yeah and it's a lot of work just to discover and work with the artists in one city um i would love to have hard gallery become international and like yeah 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 I'm you know i want to i want to travel with art buddies you know <laughs> i want that to be an event where i could just pop anywhere and you know showcase a certain yeah. communities mm -hmm. group of artists you know so yeah, yeah. it's it's a mo it's a model it's a concept that, exactly. that can be transported to any place and mm -hmm. and basically accomplish you know the same objective so that's it's good yeah. it's good it's like there are a lot of places that do these like sip and draws and like mm -hmm. um what is it it's like paint and sip where you're like you get wine with your friends and you're painting or you go to a brewery and they're like drinking craft beer and drawing as like for fun. But like, yeah. Yeah. I like it when you have a bunch of like very talented artists doing it. 
Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and yeah. when you have a bunch of talented artists together, there's this like sense of friendly pressure mm. to want to outperform the other artists in the group. Mm-hmm. So like everyone just kind of, they're serious about it. Yeah. But they're also very talented and creative enough to execute in this type of situation or like an environment where you are around a lot of artists like it can be intimidating Mm -hmm. because most of the time these artists are working by themselves with their own like comfort mm -hmm. so like a wine sipping and all that kind of stuff to me it's almost like that that has to be a sort of a byproduct of the core of what you're doing that is to really like artists being artists and you know yeah. doing their thing and i mean you could have your champagne later but that's, yeah. that's not what kind of post the people that's good. yeah hey so this so in the in this uh pandemic you you were forced to uh uh rely on virtual technology to try mm-hmm. to accomplish the same thing yeah uh, do you think that was just something that you had to do a compromise or do you think now now that you've done it could it become a sort of an integral part of how you want to kind of expand this concept um i i think during pandemic it's the best option during the winter Mm -hmm. um i think i do have a lot of ideas of creating these like outdoor spaces and um, events and doing shows like that but I don't think well I know I don't have the funds first of all to really dream terribly big mm-hmm. with how I envision these like um, these shows or events that I know I can produce but you know you need money and right now also like i don't think it's fair to spend so much time right now on doing these elaborate art shows when so many people are dying yeah and being irresponsible and like there's so many more things that need to be addressed right now Mm -hmm. that need to have more of a priority over planning like if i'm gonna spend 30 hours on helping an artist produce this show and zero hours in creating awareness for you know like getting the vaccine or telling people to be more responsible and like be more respectful of your peers and their well-being like i think or also creating awareness for like the anti-black racism situation that's been a huge deal you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i think there's a balance i think it's possible to spend half the time more than half the time or less like there has to be a balance you know i can't i'm not one person who has control of all of this. Nobody mm-hmm. should have that, con- that much mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. or power. So for me, what I feel comfortable is like, okay, I can dedicate this much time to this, mm-hmm. this much time to that. And 
I feel good about going to bed that night. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, the virtual thing is I'll, I'm not going to dedicate everything I do to the virtual stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Um, I yeah. still have to focus on my own creativity. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's more like a, a technique. You know what I mean? That, that's really not, it just it's just a methodology. So yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so you mentioned you mentioned money, and maybe it's a dirty word, but <laughs> how do you think monetizing? Yes, yes. How I, I wanted to I wanted to kind of didn't want to join the audience by talking mm. too much commercialism, but I'm just can you monetize this somehow so that at least you could stay liquid and continue to fund these things? Yeah, I think the best option is to, you know, apply for create artist grants, yeah. um, sell merchandise, or do a donation. Mm. Um, but a lot of the times, like, I'm not, I'm not making money while I'm sleeping at the gallery or mm. with the website. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing with the with the gallery when it was open to the public was like I had to constantly keep it running, have things available so that people can purchase stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I guess the hard thing is that like I know what it's like to be an artist. I know how much work goes into creating art. And so every every gallery has their own like commission ratio mm. you know and some some galleries are amazing and respectful and are very fair mm. other places take 50 percent they take 60 percent you know like you know i i don't get that yeah for the most part i yeah. i do it depends on the artwork honestly yeah. Yeah. So um it's you know I I want to make things that are not just aesthetically decorative like artwork like I value a lot of functional art mm. you know um things that I guess what helps me decide on what I want to sell in relation to like something that's functional or creative is like, what do I want at my house? What, what, what would I spend money on? Yeah, yeah. You know? And, um, that's kind of how I decide, um, the, the collection, I guess. Mm -hmm. And also artists who are comfortable and also understanding of selling artwork that is accessible. Yeah. You know, and like no, no esoteric art yeah i mean <laughs> you know those types of collectors can still buy my buy the art through the gallery mm -hmm. you know um and so like i think in some regards that is not the most lucrative direction mm. with operating an art gallery but i feel i feel like i'm not hurting anybody at the end of the day yeah i'm not taking advantage of anyone mm -hmm. i i'm like 
yeah i don't know it's just <laughs> yeah I mean, I i'm think, not at the I position think, where i could sell like a twenty thousand dollar painting yeah yeah I, I think i think people i mean people sense that you know i mean mm-hmm. it's i mean they 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 understand that that here i am it's an it's 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 a it's a venue for me to really showcase my art mm-hmm. you know that that in itself is a, is a great benefit yeah and everything that comes after that really it's based on this person's perception about the value of what just happened you know so yeah but anyway so yeah i just wanted to ask you because i just you know realistically the whole monetization this has to be an element of your mm-hmm. future activities especially if you really want to kind of expand it and you're talking about doing it on a global basis eventually so i, I mean it's, it's pretty exciting i mean it's it's something that would definitely work and i think like being equitable is very important in this relationship with the artist. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not trying to make more money than the artist. I kind of want everyone to make the same amount, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm doing a different kind of work and they're doing a different kind of work. That's right. Like they're making the art. I'm doing like the administration side, mm-hmm. but I'm also like enjoying it at the same yeah, time, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's really I mean, about it's, it's about yeah. finding that balance, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it's no different from uh uh most retail operations, right? Somebody makes it mm-hmm. and somebody sells it, you know, and, yeah. and there has to be that link and uh, if the person selling it is really an asshole and then then the people making it are going to say, "Hey, I'm not going to deal with this guy." You know what I mean? So, yeah. if they really trust you as somebody that can uh, serve as a catalyst, you know, to try to kind of expose their work. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to come to you. So you could, you should be able to kind of uh, find uh, some business opportunities in that. And that's really not a sort of. Yeah. And like a lot of the, a lot of the solo exhibitions that I've hosted or exhibited is all fairly new concepts mm-hmm. of the artist. So um, the artist can be, already established and emerged mm-hmm. but what they show could be something the the community has never seen before yeah. yeah so like i think because of that it's an experimental show so like the pricing can be kind of um accommodating that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus like somebody who's recognized for a certain style and they're expecting that style like they can price it way more higher because mm, mm. that's the value it has cr- created mm. you know so yeah i don't know it's fun creating the balance and talking discussing pricing with the artist too because if they are really unsure how much to sell it for mm. it comes down to well how much are you willing to get it off your hands for just accept yeah yeah for sure you know and like that's a that's a good enough answer for me like that's them valuing their work how they want to and so i'm not gonna argue that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's great yeah yeah okay good good so (laughs) you talked about the balancing work but one additional element in your balancing act is eventually you're going to become a daddy (laughs) yeah Oh, that's it's already a, happening. That's an additional weight on your shoulder. Yeah. 
it's the, I mean, it, it's 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 a beautiful it's a it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to to contend with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but it, it it is going to have some impact on the way you manage your days and things like that. Oh, but for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you 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 could only tell me later once you start experience. <laughs> Yeah. okay we're, that's we're good. practicing now still mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. morgan's not the same person now so like i need to make sure she's able to function and move and like it's like if i'm too tired to do something i have to remind myself like morgan's even more tired than me yeah yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and um yeah it's it's all it's all a learning process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I am very confident that you guys are going to get there. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we, uh, we had been able to allocate quite a bit of time on, on the art piece of our mm-hmm. dialogue. Not so much about your life story, that, of course, that was also interesting as well. But yeah, I'm, gl- I'm really glad that we got to talk about this. So yeah. as we march toward the end of this uh, dialogue i'm going to just uh try to stay with your tradition and try to ask you some uh series of light questions that you always ask your uh podcast participants so i'm going to do the same thing to you okay so thinking thinking back uh growing up in ann arbor detroit maybe all over the world etc what are your favorite cuisines favorite restaurants mm. that part of your life okay i can think of one place that always rings a bell to my head is that we would go to this korean restaurant in lucerne switzerland mm-hmm. do you remember this place oh, absolutely <laughs> that was a big highlight because i remember growing up and going to hana with everybody <laughs> and like no, that was yeah. like probably the only other time i've eaten korean food Mm. and Korean food is Korean barbecue, karabi, japchae, bulgogi, or like bibimbap or whatever. Like that was, I don't know. I still feel very emotionally connected to that food. Mm -hmm. So many good experiences. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we we went to this Korean restaurant, and one other thing that we did in Lucerne all the time is to buy – Swiss Army knives. Yeah, with our names engra- <laughs> engraved in it. Yeah, yeah, that was our sort of a favorite. It was an easy trip, you know, from, yeah. from where we lived. So great. Um, that was cool. I also love just getting um, Duner kebabs or bratwurst or crepes in like Frankfurt, mm-hmm. just on like that strip. I remember we go to like Peking Kloppenberg or something, mm-hmm. and you guys would get like roasted chestnuts and yeah. i don't know i just love i love street food yeah that's like probably my favorite ways of eating well we gotta get you to asia we gotta go to southeast asia yeah i <laughs> different I'm but different street food but it's that's good yeah yeah it's yeah i mean those are some really great eating experiences you know yeah it's good, good, we've good. been very fortunate um i love italian food i feel like everywhere we've lived there was always like an italian restaurant nearby that we would go to yeah, yeah, yeah. even the one when we were living in Langnau in switzerland there was like a small italian restaurant near a friend's house but um mm-hmm. but yeah it was 
Yeah, I love going to, uh, what was that? In Frankfurt, it was a place called Churrasco, <laughs> which was like a, like a Brazilian steakhouse. Um, it was the first time I, I remember there was like a, a worm in a salad at one time and everyone was like, oh, this salad is so fresh. And like uh, spaghetti factory in Zurich. Yeah. Like all you can eat spaghetti. <laughs> Remember those. So if you if you were to, so I mean we could talk about food forever, but maybe just the last last question. So in uh, so if you were to sort of uh, think of a genre, a Japanese food, a Korean food, mm -hmm. what would be your top three genres? Um, my top three cuisines would be Japanese food. Number one? Italian food. Yeah. Well, uh, Japanese food because I guess, yeah, Japanese food overall because they have like traditional Japanese food. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a newer Japanese food where you have influences from like Portugal mm -hmm. and France and like Fu there's fusion. always a fusion, which, but it's also just like a Japanese version mm -hmm. of a, an alternate cuisine. Yeah. But they just claim it <laughs> mm -hmm. um like tonkatsu or something you know or mm -hmm. tempura or whatever yeah. like those i love that but it's like it's japanese but also like in, influence from other countries yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um so japanese food is number one i could eat that any day even like ramen <laughs> like ramen is like chinese but it's <laughs> it's japanese you know yeah. Yeah. um so japanese food and then Italian food. Mm -hmm. I love Italian food. I love pasta. I love noodles. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then, oh man, it's hard. Like, because Italian food is also kind of like Mediterranean food. Mm. You know, like depends on where you go in Italy. You have like Mediterranean inspired like Italian food, you know, mm -hmm. especially when we were like in uh like amalfi coast or something where you're eating like freshly fried like seafood or something yeah, yeah. you know yeah, it's yeah. kind of similar what everyone else is eating yeah. on, on the coast so yeah um okay so italian food and then i really love chinese food yeah yeah compared to korean uh, i love like Korean food, I, Chinese is much more diverse. I mean, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, if I had to, China, there's so many more Chinese dishes that I like. Yeah, I also have not had as many Korean dishes. I like mm -hmm. the Korean dishes I've eaten. Um, but yeah, Chinese food is so diverse. The spices are good. Mm -hmm. Um, they have yeah, like the wontons and like the dumplings and. <laughs> The different stir fries and yeah, yeah. Um, all these exotic ones too. Yeah, and they have like exotic stuff, and it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. China is just a huge country, so you're yeah. gonna get so many different types different of styles. Food. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. even like the Indo-Chinese fusion foods is so good. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, I love American food. Mm -hmm. Like soul food, comfort food. I love hot dogs and burgers and fried chicken. Absolutely. And like, 
Yeah, I, I know like you. Lo- I know you love that too, like chili <laughs> and mac and cheese and yeah, yeah, gravy. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, yeah. or like barbecue. Yeah. Um, but I think I would eat Chinese food over that. Yeah. <laughs> I I would say just like you. I mean, it's it's no, it's no question. Japanese is my uh, most favorite mm-hmm. cuisine. But I think really, I, I really like Asian food in general. And I yeah. think it's because of the way they're prepared with, uh, you know, the soy sauce and things like that. So I naturally tend to migrate toward those dishes. But mm-hmm. as I got old, you know, I, I really like good steaks. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never, I, I wouldn't say never liked them, but if somebody puts a nice steak in front of me or filet mignon or something like this, I take mm. a couple of slices and that's all I need. Yeah. But now I just <laughs> really, really like it. You know? What's your favorite kind of steak? Uh, probably uh, a ribeye. Yeah. 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 So anyway. I remember you would tell me like through work, you guys would go to that one steakhouse. Um, what's it called? I don't know, but there was like, I remember you go with like your workmates or something or like business meetings and dinners you go get steak somewhere mm-hmm. um but yeah They're, yeah i love steak too that's something <laughs> but like you can also get that in Jap- like japanese people can prepare steak you know yeah that's right I mean, so like very... i kind of i would put that in yeah. that category also yeah, like yeah. steaks like i love that's good well, i think we're just making a lot of people hungry right now so yeah maybe dude shout out do you ever get your steaks from Costco? Oh yes, oh, that's yes. like a a sleeper place to get good, oh, good yeah. ribeye. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean it's it's not something that we always do because their uh, volume is so big. You know what I yeah. mean? And uh, so and and oh, I mean, I, I my wife really loves steak as well, so that's mm-hmm. okay. But this is just just a little too much for me. Yeah. Anyway, okay, another question. If you were not doing what you have been doing mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the world of art, as okay. you were growing up, uh, have you ever considered other professions or career opportunities? Yeah. Um, I really wanted to be a professional soccer player. <laughs> I felt like I was in the perfect environment mm-hmm. to really take advantage of those I don't know, being in an international school, playing mm-hmm. soccer at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I love soccer. And that's something I wish I could have pursued a little harder. Um, Art and sport. What a life. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Nothing crazy. Nothing you. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it's, it plays such a big role in my life. It's like I... My relationship with sports is really complicated. Mm-hmm. I love sports, but I also hate sports. <laughs> like the idea of sports, yeah. like professional sports. You know, it's like, why are we watching another person hit a ball into a net? Or like, you know, why is this, why is this a thing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. or like college sports where like, you see all these older grown men like fanning over a teenage kid throwing a football. Like, dude, 
you're 65 and this kid is like 19 <laughs> and he's playing football. Like that's kind of weird. Right. Yeah, if you think yeah, about yeah, it that way. Yeah, yeah. And also the whole thing of like betting mm-hmm. and like, why, 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 why are we trying to create a better team than the next, uh, mm-hmm. next town? Yeah. You know, why is, how, how do they get so big? And then mm-hmm. you have like, you go all the way back into like boxing, for instance, where the farmers would have their best slaves box their, another farmer's strongest slave for money. Mm-hmm. You know, like that whole thing is like, I feel like that's just kind of grown into what professional sports is now, mm. you know? And it's just really, it's really messed up because I love basketball. I love, love basketball and soccer, but like as I got older, like basketball has just been something I really enjoy mm. watching. I love the culture of it. And like all the team owners are white and the best basketball players are black. <laughs> you know, like there's why that's that's a problem. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and so it's it's a weird thing I always I always like have, I always have this conversation with myself whenever I get like really into sports. Mm. I'm like, this is actually just kind of stupid. Yeah. But yeah. it's also awesome and fun to play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, I mean, you play tennis and you play golf. Like I think recreationally it's great. It's great. Like exercising is great. I think my only problem is like when it comes to professional sports yeah the whole yeah yeah no, I agree and, with you. it's you know there's just so much behind it you know what i mean it, yeah, it kind of so much uh, money that's being thrown at these players when they could be used for like better things you know mm-hmm. i don't know just it's just complicated yeah but yeah. i do love soccer i wish i would even though i said all that i think i would have still would have pursued a soccer yeah. career I, I remember you asking me to put you in a professional golf training school. Or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See that that makes sense. I I I remember talking about going to a, like a golf camp or something. Yeah, yeah, academy or something. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, at least I could. If I start now, I can be a senior pro golfer. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your uh, retirement bet. <laughs> yeah yeah because i've never applied training to my life like that before you know it's like oh if i play golf every day for eight hours ten hours i could probably get pretty good yeah, yeah. you know but who has that kind of time yeah yeah the only you know? problem is a million other kids think like that and do that so exactly <laughs> no you're right so all right Okay, so I, I, so I, I could have seen you on TV playing soccer for uh, Bundesliga or something. Like that. Yeah, Bayern Munich. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so, uh, so you, you know, we we talked a little bit about how you wanted to expand your uh, involvement with art and things like this, mm-hmm. but in this post-COVID period mm-hmm. and if you're sort of totally free if yeah. you had that freedom to kind of do what you want are mm-hmm. there 
some areas that you really want to get yourself into or is it more of a like a building things that you've been doing and yeah um i haven't shared this with many people Mm -hmm. um well i'm i'm not waiting for post-covid for this particular thing but Mm -hmm. um i know i want to get into more creative directing and designing for um different businesses Mm -hmm. corporations um i think i i have a i'm at the point where like i have more fun directing a creative Mm. project versus actually designing it Mm. or doing the artwork for it Mm. because i feel like i have more energy to like put towards the creative vision than doing the physical design work so I've been able to team up with a few people to work on that right now. And I would mm. just like to see that growing, mm. you know, from one, one project to the other and be taken seriously as a creative director, um, not just with hard gallery, but for other businesses yeah, and other projects. And so I guess for that, my dream project would be, working with Nike mm-hmm. for their ACG line, which is the all conditions gear, which is like mm-hmm. kind of like their outdoorsy mm. um, department. That would be a huge dream. Um, and so I don't, I don't really know what my dream looks like beyond that right now, mm-hmm. but I know like that's a project that I really want to like pursue and manifest. So what what are what are you doing specifically to kind of get there? Um, baby steps. Uh, working on other smaller projects mm-hmm. that require the same type of um, dedication and like directing. Uh, whether it's like making a menu for a friend who's doing a mm-hmm. pop up, a really mm-hmm. dope pop up, and like, you know, just slowly building up the clientele and the um my theme as a director yeah yeah you know my signature like why what what can i bring to the table kind of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. style but the overall the overall goal for hard gallery is i want to have i want to be i want a location in detroit Mm -hmm. And then also have another gallery on Melrose Avenue in Cal in LA. I want to have a hard gallery there, but I also want it to be a concept gallery. Well, you're going to need more than uh, one shingle brown to do all this. <laughs> uh, that's why we're having a baby. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you need a few more at least one baby for now and then um but you know that's just that's the start of mm-hmm. what can happen because i don't want to have like too big of a goal and not being happy with the steps i've taken and advanced mm-hmm. you know so you know, i really want to focus on detroit and then go to go to la because that's like where i feel like is my home 
Yeah. Just to a certain degree, I'll be closer to you. And then like, I kind of want to go hop back and forth from here to Detroit. Yeah. Like that's, that's the ultimate goal. Um, Sounds good. Really good. We'll see how long it takes to get there, but mm-hmm. um, that's, that's kind of how I, how I function right now. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. this is, this is what, what I'm doing now is leading towards that. Yeah. Well, it sounds really, I mean, you know, just listening, listening to that as a bystander, I think it's a very sort of a exciting path. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, to really kind of do. Uh... So, hey, well, I guess we're kind of getting close to the, to the whole dialogue. Do you want to do, say something before on, 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 on your art piece or your life before I, Oh, you're not going to ask me more rapid fire questions. (laughs) Um, Let's see. My closing statement, I guess. Um, I am extremely grateful for the relationship that you and I have. Mm. Uh, We've come a long way and it's only going to get better, I feel. And there's, there was a, the gap between our relationship is closing in. Mm. It keeps getting yeah. smaller. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been a huge highlight of this pandemic mm. for me. Um, not only have I become closer with Morgan and us having a, baby on the way I think that we were able to you and I were able to like connect mm. connect a lot more and I've been missing that and I'm that's I'm really happy <laughs> to be where we are and yeah, yeah, yeah. I love hearing about you and your story through your podcast there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that I was always wondering about Mm. and working on this Rick Brown story with you has been a big highlight of um, of my life so far. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's time for everything, and I think stars are beginning to align. <laughs> totally. You know, um, I think the baby has brought us closer together. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. we're not really. just father and son now, but we're like also two dads yeah. relating and connecting in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so are you going to, uh, or, or have you guys finalized the name? I know you guys have been kicking around quite a few, a few names. But Yeah, I think we have. I don't know if we're going to share it yet. Okay. Um, we haven't told everybody in public the sex of the baby yet. Oh, uh, we have told people mm-hmm. in person, um, but we haven't like made a public announcement. Um, so, um, yeah, our, I'll, I'll just say that the name that we have chosen mm-hmm. is fairly gender neutral, mm-hmm. um, easy to say, mm-hmm. easy to pronounce, mm-hmm. and all the letters in their name is also in my name and Morgan's name. Mm-hmm. At least some letters are in mine and some are in hers. And it uh, kind of projects 
your uh, expectation for the baby in terms of future and how this baby could grow up and stuff like that. Yeah, because like, you know, some people aren't like comfortable with foreign names, you know, Mm -hmm. and we don't know where we're going to end up. So like we have to be conscious of that and like the kind of interactions that our child is going to have, you know, I don't want someone to make fun of them because of their name, but out of their own ignorance, you know, and uh, um, because that's just kind of like the environment in the world that we live in. I mean, I'm sure it's going to change and stuff, but uh, we have to be caring to you know for our child and let them like not stress about those things yeah yeah and um yeah um what else i'm i'm excited for i don't know the future of hard gallery and the artist community in detroit um i hope everyone has been active and also taking their time learning and educating themselves and you know uh one of my other mentors uh Dai Daisuke um he said something really that really impacted me and this was like even when it was still hot outside it was like Mm -hmm. during the summer he's like you there's a problem if you're the same person after this pandemic Mm. You know, like nobody should be the same person after COVID is over. Absolutely. You know, and I totally agree. And that's something that I've been focusing on. And I hope other people will also kind of take that to heart. And, Mm. um, you know, this is an opportunity to really focus on yourself and dig deep and explore and if you're not doing that like this opportunity is not going to come again for who knows when yeah 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 so um yeah i guess that's my my one word of advice for people who might be listening (laughs) to just yeah take this time to focus on yourself Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and see how you can be a better person at yeah. the, after all of this look, look into yourself huh? yeah Re- rediscover your potential yeah kind for of. as far as you're looking outward look that much inward mm-hmm. so okay well my my uh my concluding remarks if any is that uh, like, like you said i'm really glad that uh we've come together much closer Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, just like pandemic really was a, was a sort of a catalyst that really facilitated us being coming close together. So I am also very uh, happy about that. And, mm-hmm. and, and concretely, we are, you know, you really kind of put some fire under my butt and I got myself started in the audio history and, and that, that eventually evolved into a podcast and things mm-hmm. like that. So, and, and I really like uh like working on the podcast. I mean, get, getting it broadcast and things like this is one thing, but really getting to complete an episode and then that, that whole process, I think I really, I really enjoy it. It's really mm-hmm. a good thing for me to do, especially uh, 
at my age. Mm-hmm. It's so a sense of accomplishment, you know, like you, yeah, you yeah. set a goal and you did it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like good. Morgan said, like, you know, wow, we, why you're into episode three already kind of thing. You know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm really happy about that. But I uh, uh, just have to say, I'm really amazed um, as to uh, how far you've come, you know, in terms of the, the artwork. I, you know, before my, my friends, you know, we playing out the golf and then we always get into conversations about our family and things like this. And mm-hmm. then I talk about you and he says, what does your son do? And I said, well, he's, a, he's an aspiring artist in Detroit. You know what I mean? But now yeah. I know much more about what you do. Mm. And and, uh, and and I'm I'm now able to talk much more specifically about about yeah. about your life and things like that. So you know you're always evolving, and like like you said in your conclusion that uh, you you have you know further aspirations to venture into other different areas and things like that. And I'm really mm. happy to see that that you're not stagnating and you're growing and, and things yeah. like that. So I'm really I'm really happy about that. Thank you. And I think if like, if we did live closer, then you could see firsthand like what I've been doing out here, you know, and, you know, I think you'll get a taste of it this summer, hopefully. Um, But yeah, it's, um, thank you for noticing. Mm. And the, uh, and aside from, uh, you know, being happy about your professional side of your life, but I'm really happy to see you be happy mm. you know really uh feeling uh this really good sense of being settled into something you know you now yeah. have a good partner you know you're gonna have a child on the way and so you have many directions in life and it's really uh good to see that uh that you've arrived and you know, that's going you know, to serve you as know a good foundation what? The re- I feel like the reason why it hasn't arrived sooner was mm. because I never really had a strong foundation to build off of. Mm. And that kind of was something I was always seeking. And I was always seeking in other places mm. versus like seeking it with patience and time in a certain place. Because I would always like, I would, like we just grew up moving all the time mm. bouncing from one place to the other every couple of years and so like I would always get my feet wet mm. but they would just be wet all the time versus like dried yeah. off yeah. and like settled yeah and if the one thing I really noticed being in Detroit is that I really I was able to see things through even through the hardships you know sometimes it'll be like oh this is hard i'm gonna go move somewhere else and try it again Mm. versus like go through the hardships and then get out of it and then i'm a stronger person at the end of the day yeah and that's something that's really been monumental in my progression and you know it's uh being some knowing that like I have a home now Mm. has been extremely helpful because now I can envision being here yeah versus like oh we're gonna move soon you know so 
the relationship I mean, with my environment is different because of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, life is very fluid, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, things do come together at times, and you know, things crumble at times. But I mean, you get, you got to go through these steps to really come with something very solid and really feel that you're really kind of standing on very solid ground and you know you're ready to jump <laughs> yeah jump, jump to a jump, jump to higher ground so it's really yeah good to see you doing that thank so, you okay so it was fun talking to you i i learned a lot obviously yeah 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 okay cool. thank right. you and well, also don't forget to check out the Rick Brown story on oh, all yes. streaming platforms. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Welcome. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon then. All okay. right. Love you. Thank you. Love you too, Shingo. Bye bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the 10th episode of the Hard Conversations podcast, a Hard Gallery production. I'd like to thank my father, Rick Brown, for interviewing me on this episode. I had a great time catching up on my childhood and sharing with him how I've been operating Hard Gallery currently, and also sharing what my goals are for the future. As we mentioned, I am producing his own podcast, focusing on his life and his history. He records each episode in English and Japanese. You can listen to the Rick Brown story at www.anchor.fm forward slash Rick Brown story. And also follow him on Tumblr or Instagram at Rick Brown story. Again, I'd like to thank the sponsors, Casamara Club, Cold Truth, Astro Coffee, and Huddle Soft Serve. You can also find all the updated information related to Hard Gallery on Instagram at Hard Gallery or on the website www.hardgallery.art. Hard Gallery merchandise is still for sale at the Farmer Street Market curated by Playground Detroit. You can make an appointment for a visit or go on the website at shop.playgrounddetroit.com for more information. If you're interested in donating towards the podcast or the gallery or seeking sponsorship opportunities, please send an email to hardgallerydetroit at gmail.com. Please be extra safe. Go get a vaccine if you're eligible. In the meantime, respect the well-being and health of others. Go hard in your endeavors and wish my dad a happy birthday tomorrow on February 9th. Peace.